The Best Damn League Show period is brought to you by eSports Bet, the industry's leading crypto odds matrix. Use our referral link in the description box below for a first-time deposit bonus of 50% on up to 200 US dollars or take advantage of their new alternate first deposit bonus where you can get up to 100 USDT forgiven if you lose the first bet. Just message the mod mail on Discord and tell them Insight and eSports or IOE sent you and they'll give you up to 100 USDT back if indeed you lose. Could be some cheeky ones. You want about on at worlds or something right now let's get into the show right this is going to be another episode of the best damn league show period and of course this is going to put a period on the summer split isn't it because it's over all of lec is done for the year there's only worlds after this spoiler we're not going to do like worlds versions of the show which could obviously be on other content and do all the rest of it as we are summoning insight or maybe don't want to come on summon insight maybe that'll happen for episode maybe before NA gets eliminated so group stage playing whatever all the jo- yeah yeah whatever we know the usual jokes look it is the LEC show to be <laughs> fair so I have to sort of bang on that angle like it is, it is the time honoured tradition at this point in time isn't it? and spoiler just miss me with all the, the corp that any fans used to have you know the angle they used to use was sort of like well, as long as none of us wins Worlds, we're all sort of bad. And it's like, nah, there's definitely gradations, don't there? You know, like in life, <laughs> you don't really do it that way. Do you? you don't go, well, he's salesman of the year and you're the worst. I was like, well, you're already second best. It's like, that's not really an argument, is it? That argument falls pretty flat if you yeah. think about it. It's a bit unfair, isn't it? I mean, I mean, to defend it, to, to defend my fellow Americans, go it is kind of weird when like you get third place paraded around like you just like won worlds like, oh, like for example yes when, when when g2 was doing well you got like we can't say shit like when fanatic was doing well making world finals you can't say shit last year like what the fuck like all right like sure we both got eliminated 3-0 in the fucking quarterfinals like who really cares so for, for me um, was factual I, yeah for, for me i'm actually <laughs> like well we'll see how how worlds goes but I think that there's there's a possibility we might get no one getting out of groups. I think that could oh, be yeah, I'm, realistic. For that. I got so scared you were going to be like, there's a chance that Jenny does its best. I thought you were going to do the Azale tweet like, this is the most confident I've ever been in any. It's like, did you just watch the Cloud9 before the finals, bro? Like, this is garbage. But anyway, yeah. that's, that's well, it's not the NA show, so come and hit me. Look, I, 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 might, I might be most confident for this roster out of all the rosters we've sent recently, but that's because I've been so, like, like last oh, year sure. I just thought there was no fucking shot. No, like, no, I thought no. it was, like, yeah. literally, like, a 3-15 and 15 group stage angle across the, the 18 yeah, yeah. games that are played. So that's fair. I actually feel like this, this roster at least looks more solid on paper. Now we just got to make sure that the meta doesn't change. We still have Enchanter support, so Sven can still play the game. If we get into, like, a Nautilus Leona Rakan meta, it is fucking doomed for an A, but, you know... We'll see. We'll see. We can uh, we can back out and go for LEC first. Well, we'll talk about this at a yeah, later date. It's all good. Right. So obviously, finals is done. Rogue one. Wait there a second. Wait there a second. I know after all those whack Star Wars movies, everyone, the fans all stopped believing in the franchise. But then Rogue One, Rogue One happened, and then everyone started coming back. <laughs> see, I did that. Like sort of okay, no, because okay, here's the, the Rogue thing. One that was a, that was just a whack pun. But I just want to make the point that like I can't believe I'm even starting an episode like this, Dormac. So anyway, Rogue won the LEC finals, three zero in caps and G two, and completely drafted them. And every single role actually outperformed. Like that actually just seems impossible to say. Like let's be real. This show, obviously, we only did it this year. This show's a pretty good chronicle of where Rogue began and where they ended. Like if you think about like what happened in the spring, and then they sort of had their big moment in the in the 
upper bracket final against Fnatic with the reverse sweep. That, I would say, look, that didn't tip them over, but it was clearly like a step on the journey, you know. Then they came to this split. They had to overcome in the playoffs and beat everyone. Now they obviously come from the lower bracket and win. Let's just start there. What do you For you, what is the significance of Rogue winning? Because I saw that ridiculous exchange on Twitter where people just refused to read, where you were just like, yeah, it's weird that Rogue won because I don't really believe in them when they count. They're like, well, that, that match counted. You're like, yeah, I'm just saying I didn't believe in them in it. Like, yeah, but it counts though, does it? It's like, oh God, he's yeah, in a time like loop. They, he's they, read, they, <laughs> they read what they want to read. They're, they're, they read me saying, well, semifinals doesn't count. I'm like, no, no, no. I don't believe I in Rogue going yeah. into the semifinals. It's like, exactly. but they won. It's like, yes, I did. I still did not believe. Like, what, of course, after they win, I'm like, yes, I believe they won. Yes. Like, I, I also am acknowledging reality, <laughs> but it's just such a mental exchange because I don't understand why people would be like, upset about that premise i don't think anyone believed in them look no. at the desk no one but did you like okay so i know you bet on on road it's because the odds you, were insane i even yes. said it yeah i picked for that i on g2 of course yeah, yeah everyone would so like that should be the moment they overcame people's expectations yes. they played well when it mattered and i think the crucial thing is that coming into to like games two of Fnatic onward, they actually had good prep. They put themselves in positions to win, which it felt like that's always been one of the, the problems with Rogue is that they start every series with the worst possible read on what to do. I mean, think about the last time they played G2. They're just oh, banning gosh. Jarvan every game. Jarvan yep. was like the most crucial pick for Marong in this final, but they were banning that themselves. And then they were giving like, they're giving Flock at the set of Seraphine. What the hell? Why, why are you giving them the best weak side bot lane when your advantage should be bot lane? Like, you have the better bot lane. It's what we've been saying the, the whole time on the show. So, I mean, I think that um, for, for once, it seemed like Rogue was able to actually get an advantage from the prep. And yes. G2 just was never able to, like, G2 and, and Fnatic, as soon as they were able to alter a couple things, Fnatic and G2 just couldn't compete. They, they weren't able to overcome that, uh, yeah, that situation in draft. Like, okay, now... Now they're like giving their bot lane advantage. They're they're taking away the ability for us to just weak side bot. What are we going to do about that in the Fnatic series? It was more that they were just taking out humanoids picks. They're forcing him into control mage versus control mage, which is Larson's bread and butter. Like that's what Larson wants to be playing, right? So I felt like that was one of the most crucial things for Rogue was the, the fact that they actually were able to put themselves in an advantageous position from the draft. Absolutely. I think that was a massive key. Like one thing I thought was very interesting overall was they themselves started doing stuff like experimenting with the Siraka, which obviously in the final was a massive thing, but they did that in the Fnatic series, if people forget. Because if people forget, the way that... I, I actually have to give... What's funny is I actually think the way the playoffs went has completely killed the narrative that all those haters had, that, like, Yamato is utter trash as a coach because he can't draft and he's got a super team, which is such a disingenuous thing to say if you actually think the players are playing bad. But he's got a super team and he can't <laughs> even win. It's like, well, the joke is he actually did what, in my opinion, every great coach does, which is when he you have like a team with what should be good players it's just not before you banded you figure out like certain things like right you know what i just can't do this let's do this like even though some of the initial things were simplistic you saw the way he was drafted like i thought what he did against some of the other teams was very good he completely fucking gapped certain people he gave people the picks where they show supposed to be op but they're not actually going to be able to play that and carry on it they're just going to be average i thought he did a great job up to now like i don't really blame him in general for what happened with that i think you can argue yeah. the seat split maybe there was some times he didn't like the draft or a play like letting one have a Java if you don't want that but I thought in general like I didn't blame the coaching staff in this one I thought like even the Fnatic players they did power up as the series went on in this one though I mean now that we've seen the game they clearly were supposed to lose this series they probably lose game one if you know did not do that fucking bonkers play in bot lane right yeah I mean I think that um 
giving Razork like or like taking away champions from Razork and having him play like more of a neutral role where he's not able to just like completely take over the games early. I think that that was um that was a good thing that that Rogue was able to do because Morong can be a psychopath just like Razork. You know, like they can just walk around the map and just you know even out. Whereas before, it felt like Razork was really smurfing in some of the uh, previous series. Um, so I think that was that, which was uh, really good. Also, I mean, I think that some Fnatic players just underperformed. I mean, Hilly's just been not good. He's had a totally like, shit split, a really bad one for his standards. Even yeah. in playoffs, he was bad as well, let's be real. Well, I mean, it's just not his, it's, it's just not his meta at all. Like, he is a melee player. Like, he does not play range supports that well. If you look at his entire history, the only thing that he plays that's a range support is like Thresh, which is like... Nice, man. <laughs> like, Thresh is a range support. I guess it, it, it technically has range. The way that he wants to play is he wants to be able to, like, find openings. He wants to be able to find engages. And, you know, he's playing the entire time on Yumi. He's playing it on Nami. He's playing it on Lulu. I mean, you see how he wants to play Lulu. In, in the game, in game two, they have, like, a winning fight. He just flashes into the whole enemy team and kills himself. It's like, okay, well, I guess now we just lose the game. So, it's my uh, question for you then. And this is a very serious question. I'm not saying it as a gotcha. I'm sure. genuinely trying to compare, right? So if you look at a player like Larson, because obviously later we'll talk about some of the differences of what happened with him, right? Classically, just like Frogger, just like PoE, they have that label where it's like, you just play the mages. Like if it's a mage matter, yeah, of course it's going to be good. Oh, it's a Zay Corky. Like, I'm sure you're going to be good now. But then the diss is, why don't you play like, you know, the Assassins and Silas? Why don't you do all this like back in the day, Zed, Fears, whatever it might be, all those like aggro champions. And the people will say, that proves you're not the best because you can't play the other meta, right? I have to say, after seeing this year, I actually do think Hillisang is overrated historically. And this is the reason why. Because when it is his meta or he has the right team, he can, on those champions you're talking about, be like, I actually, here's what's weird. On those champions, I actually think he, in most of his good seasons, is would be comparable to almost the best Koreans in that style of play, you know? Like, if you go and bet the best Asian, uh, like, fucking Rakan player, and you get, so LPL or LCK, you go get the best one or fresh, there's probably times where Hillisang's either as good, or he's only one notch below, and where the other pros are, like, mid and never that, they're never that close, or ADC's obviously gapped to fuck by, like, Viper and all those guys, like, uh, obviously yeah. Ruler. Like, I actually think in those seasons, that's, essentially, this is why I think he gets overrated. I think it's actually like Humanoid. I think Humanoid's showed us the same thing this year. I think what they've shown us is this is then it's not as extreme as they're just but they are kind of a flip of the players whether they're barring like if you're someone like a Mako yeah you are the more boring support if you're someone like Larson you're way more boring the humor but it's a different style of player so what do you think on that angle because basically I think people just ignored the laws I mean I will say they didn't ignore it in the sense that don't worry Fnatic fans in past seasons wanted for Hillisang Cut which always felt like whoa yeah. that's a bit too far like, give him one more split but what do you think on this topic because obviously people are thinking just of the highs and they sort of do forgive all his laws right um, yeah, I mean, I think it's because the highs were like so high and if you, I mean, domestically, I feel like he hasn't been as insane as like when you look at like worlds. So you look at season eight worlds, you look at season, uh, 10 worlds, season yes. 10 worlds. I think there's an argument oh, he's where he's the best support, like him and Reck, like reckless was playing really well too. Their bot lane might've been just the best bot lane. They went to five games with top almost beat them. And the bot was getting gapped every single game. Like Jackie Levin and, uh, Yuanjo were just getting smurfed on so i think that that's where it comes from if you look domestically i don't think hillisong has won as much as a player of his caliber should you know like he's he's played forever he has two championships i believe in Fnatic 2018 that was it and yep. you know he's he's been good at other points like um he did turn it on in playoffs in 2020 leading into world so he has good moments but i, I think that the, there's a lot of bad moments and i think that partly he's carried by the fact that 
the meta that you're referring to is like oh the the like meta being super aggressive that's just been the support meta most of the time yes. like, we haven't had that many enchanter metas like season seven um is an example of the art and sensor meta but that only really comes into play during worlds and then you know like the like that's a meta where i think if hillisong was there he's just going to struggle massively Dude, do you remember teams even though, obviously, that's the best example ever. Because you remember at Famously, Misfits had the same exact scenario with Ignar. Yeah. He was at a tournament where everyone has to play the Enchanted Bot lanes in theory, right? And obviously, he was just hard forcing a Thresh or something like that, right? Like and at the time, here's what's funny. If you don't know, if you're a random casual fan who didn't remember this. Yeah, loads of fans were like, what a Chad, Ignar is lol, what a legend. All the analysts, by the way, were just like, you are aware he essentially like completely limits them in draft. And that's all, even one of the reasons they didn't win that series against SKT. Like, it's a miracle they could get drafts off with a get him the way he had and he would look good if he landed obviously he's the only one playing the champions but I even think that's an example of where like actually other people depending on your name Ignar does not have the name that Hillisang does you will be judged very differently because I definitely agree with that the part that's weird to me is this I hate any argument in which you have all these players who in isolation they're like the goat of their position and then like three of them play together in a team and it's just not even good it's like yeah there's chemistry sure but like that's the example so if I ask everyone like who is the goat player outside of mid lane in EU people are going to snap tell me it's reckless right it's got to be i mean his record even would say it's him right they're going to say reckless i mean obviously we're not counting jungle i mean like the other big mm -hmm. carry positions hillisang has records the whole load of times and spoiler like most of the time hillisang's not the better player of the two i would say it was an interesting fucking contrast it was weird but I, yeah i'm with you mate basically like that's the problem when you go back and look at some of those teams it's like some of these teams aren't that far off the team that beats them in the final like they probably should get a couple of these titles especially if these are the goat players right yeah, I would think that's 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 fair to say. I mean, I, I think that I mean, there's also a, a problem here, which is like in Hillisong's like peak form, which I would say is like 2019. I mean, he's just comp competing against Prime G2. So even if he is like a slightly better player than than Mickey X in some of those where he could get a title, it's it's pretty hard for him to like be able to overcome that because that's just the best Western team we've ever seen by far. So um yeah, I mean, I think at this point, it's weird. Um, and I think you have to ask the question, like, if Worlds does not go super well, which I don't think it is. I mean, if Fnatic makes it out of um, group stage, they're probably just going to go into group A, right? Or if they make it out of planes, they're going to go into group A. Group A has EDG and T1. Maybe they get out, but it seems very unlikely. Um, do you end up moving on from Hillisong into somebody who's more versatile? Because, I mean, this has been the meta for a while now. Like, the whole summer split was like Nami, uh, Lulu, Yumi. Like, there was some times where people were trying different supports, but... This is what most people consider the meta for the longest time. Um, and he just doesn't seem like he has the right mentality to play those those uh, supports. Yes. Like he just doesn't have the vision for it. Like he's always just looking for an angle to make a play yep. instead of just, you know, just kind of like letting the fight flow. Like he doesn't like you don't need to do anything when you're playing like Lulu or, or you mean you just want to position well, make sure you poly the right target when he comes exactly. in yes. and like put your, your shields and, and, and your ulti on the correct targets. Like it's, it's really simplified, but it feels like he's just always looking for the like, Oh, they're inting. I can like slow them here. I can flash ult. Like I can get a good knockup. Like he, he's thinking about more of the CC than the, the value of the shields. And, and I think that that's just something that, he just doesn't have a good vision for as a player. Like he, do, it's hard for him to judge the value of like shields, heals, things like that, um, compared to CC abilities, stuns, knockups. Uh, it feels like he just doesn't properly value um, like the counterplay to CC. That's why I say I think he's actually maybe a bit overrated because the thing that I have a problem with is this. I here's what here's what I have an issue with, right? 
Look, obviously, again, we're going to get to the Larson discussion later. But here's the thing. If Larson did try, as he did many times before he got good on some of these champions, to play like a non-mage champion, he's not going to just int the whole game egregiously. Like, he might just not be as impactful. He might just do an okay job. He might just not land like a perfect combo that you would if you're good on that champion. He might just do like an okay job and just do some damage. And you know what? Someone else might carry the game. The problem I have with Hillisang is this, Dom. I agree with what you just said there. When he's not on his champions... He still plays like he's on fucking Pike and Rakan. And that's the worst part. Because that implies on some fucked up level. He might just be like a genius savant at Engage. But that's all he can do. And I find that so weird. Because if people don't know, this guy was playing in Season 5 in LEC, EULCS. Like, he's had a very long career, guys. That He's not an idiot, by the way. He even seems like a sort of a smart guy in his own way in real life. Like, that just suggests there's, there's just some sort of limitation on his the way he can play support. Because he's definitely put the hours in, I've no doubt. I'm sure he's practiced all these champions. They're not picking him in draft, by the way, thinking they're going to int. But, dude, the way he ints on, like, to int on enchanters and the way he does is like, mate, if there's anything that could do is you could just be rubbish and stay alive and not die. You know what I mean? Like, these, that's egregious to me, my, to the way he ints, though. Yeah, I, I think uh, it's it's tough. I mean, there's there's definitely um, there's there's reasoning I could see where like the team is not very good, so he's trying to do more than like okay. what he's what he's capable of, or he like he he really thinks that people have a like bad team fight vision for like when the enemy team is stepping too far forward, so he, he's trying to take that onto some of himself. But sometimes you just can't do it, like you know, like you just can't like you trying to do too much is actually hurting your team um, in a lot of these instances. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure really, like, where you go from Hillisong, because he clearly has, um, he clearly has a good mind for the game when he gets certain metas and certain champions, and a lot of times, we've been in metas in crucial moments where those champions are good, like, outside of just, it's not just that he plays the engage, but even when he plays, like, Braum, for example, I think he's one of the best Braum players um, in LEC, like, he just has a good mind for like when to actually engage and like how much he can tank and, you know, hitting his, his, his cues on the correct targets, making sure that he's tagging people for CCs. He's just actually really good on the, um, that champion. He's had like, obviously massively in Tom games, but I think he's actually pretty decent at Tom as well. And a lot of times you end up in a Braum meta. It's like, it was like a, a, a meme for a while where it was like, oh, Braum always just comes back for playoffs. Braum is, Braum is nowhere during the entire split. Then you get into playoffs. Suddenly the, this champion is back. Um, and you could perform. It's very rare that we end up in a meta like we just saw where the enchanters are super OP. And part of that is because when enchanters are OP in competitive play, they're so fucking OP in solo queue. And oh, because Riot is balancing for both, most of the time they're going to hit those champions because it's really anti-fun. Like you play against a Yumi or you play against a Lulu. It's like one of the things that's going to kill your enjoyment for the game the most. It's like, oh, they got ahead. Oh, I can't kill anyone. All right. Well, I guess they just win the game. Nice. Like you don't even feel outplayed. So um, I, I don't know, like if this flaw that he has is a big enough one where you want to find a player that can correct it because you're going to potentially lose out on a lot of the playmaking and a lot of the capabilities to perform in playoffs in other metas if you end up moving on from Hillisong. So I think it, it's, uh, it, it's pretty interesting, but I will say that he's, um, I don't know. I don't know if he's overrated. I feel like he's either super overrated or he's super underrated, depending on who you I talk agree. to. Like it feels yes. like no one appropriately rates him. Like some people are like he's dog shit, and then other yep. people are, he's the fucking goat. Yes, you never find like an accurate rating. It's like he's really good at this. He's also bad at this. Yeah, you know, depends on what meta is, he's in, and depends on like you know the fucking way the wind's blowing that day because. Yes. Some days he, he just, I mean, he does still sometimes int on engaged supports. It's not like he plays perfectly on them, and sometimes he looks like the best player you've ever seen in your life in sports. So. Yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a tough uh it's a tough discussion for sure.
If people don't know, I've actually been the one defending him when people wanted him caught from Fnatic on the bad splits where you, for the same reason. It's like, you got to fucking look at the other splits as well. They were pretty good. Like, it was, he made him one of the most dangerous teams in the world. So, right, I would go, let's just start talking because here's the problem. Like, as much as, like, there was interesting things in the series against Fnatic, the final was just so shocking and so different from what anyone could have predicted. I think we could just spend as much time as we can on this. So, let's start here, Tom. When you said earlier, one of the things you wanted to big up about Rogue was their prep. Dude, the reason... I actually, myself, didn't think they were going to win this final, but in fact, the only angle I remember saying, the one angle I could come up with that they maybe had a chance on is that I knew Trimby has a really big champion pool, but I don't know how that's going to apply. And spoiler, you can pick as many champions as you want if, like, your mid lane and ADC don't carry out and they don't outperform their other team. You're probably not going to win the series. So coming into the series, I've always said one of the things about Rogue is... Like you implied earlier, game one just tells you where Rogue's at. If they're totally lost in draft in game one, oh God. If they play like passive in game one, which they usually seem to, then they're going to be behind. Like basically in that scenario, you go like, this is a normal Rogue series. They're going to probably get 3-1 or 3-0 now. Maybe they win one game where they get like the opposite side of a matchup that's good or something. The way they started this game, even in the draft dom, was like, which team is this? Who the fuck is this team? If people don't know, that's the game where they drafted Renekton top, fucking LeBlanc. LeBlanc for Larson. LeBlanc is even, by the way, LeBlanc picks get flamed when like top LeBlanc players play them in other regions. Like it's not even supposed to be that strong a champion right now. And then in ADC, what was the one for that one? What was the one uh, they had that Calista? game? Callista, like I say, mate, could you could you ever imagine Rogue starting a playoff series like this with this kind of a draft? This is a draft where you do if you like think you're going to smash the other team. I mean, I think it's that, and then it's also just understanding like what their what their advantage was. Normally, they just misidentify what their advantage is in a series. Like they'll just go into it, they'll be like, you know what? Like we got a. I mean, just look at the last series. Their mentality was we're banning Draven. We we can't play against Draven. But it's like, why why do you need to ban the flock at Draven? Sure, if he gets like a a, a huge cash in. Maybe he does something later on, but even in this game, he got an insane cash in and yep. still wasn't wasn't enough. I feel like they they just need to play skill matchup spot lane, allow your bot lane to have the the ability to fucking carry because you saw Flocket into key moments and they were able to to essentially like neutralize top side, <laughs> give an advantage to bot side, yes. and they were just picking things that ma that made sense. I thought that the the Callista Soraka was actually kind of weird at first, um, but into Renata it actually makes sense because. Renata obviously wants people to run into her. Obviously, some of your champions want to run in, but they don't all have to run in. And then if you have the Soraka, you're able to, uh, you know, really just take away a lot of G2 strength because G2 is the type of team where if you even listen to their comms, they're very like, look at this guy. He's in to kill him. Like they're very like trying to pounce on these, yes. these moments. Yes. But Soraka completely warps that game where it's yep. like, no, that guy's not killable at this point. Yep. Okay, he might be like positioning too far forward. But if you engage a fight and then you're wasting all your damage on the tank and then he's getting healed, well, the tank stats are then more effective with the heals. Like, it, it, so it, it felt like it just threw G2 off because it's no, it's no longer their type of game where like, oh, if I land this like charm, it's a kill. Like, no, that's not a kill anymore. Okay, so how do we have to play? And then what G2 would need to do is they would need to play better around objectives. They need to play better setups. They need to get on objectives first you know, control vision, Renata ulti through massive chokes. They need to play like that. And they just weren't able to um, get, get into that. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, if you look at the bot lane itself, like it was 20 CS lead from comp. I mean, the, part of the reason why I gave comp MVP, because I was actually one of the people that was able to vote for finals MVP. Okay. I just think that comp, like, I mean, he won lane every single game. He didn't die in team fights. Like that's He's almost perfect the best job. The whole he series, man. Yeah. yeah that's, that's like a perfect job.
from yep. an AD carry. Sure, you could argue if like a mid laner pops off, they have more agency, so yeah, like sure. they should get more credit or something like that. Um, but in this series, it just felt like there was a massive AD gap. It was like, put it so we'll get to Larson later, but I would actually say the player who matched up the best out of everyone was probably fucking Caps. Like, uh, he didn't yeah. play great, but he played okay. And obviously, Larson played like maybe slightly better, but it wasn't like the end of the world. So, what yeah. I would say is this uh, by the way, as a correction, I, it was actually Rectum was the next game. Forget that one. That was actually all they played in the first one. But the thing I would say about the game one, especially, is mate, it's like you said, one of the reasons why I'm amazed more teams didn't use the Soraka is because it is another one of those champions that like Western teams fundamentally don't know how to play against it because it's so alien compared to normal comps. Like, as you said there, the reason I actually was telling people when I was doing this watch party, like, dude, I think they're going to win a bunch of these fights because what you would see was people on G2 would blow everything. Like, think about the genius of this. You've already got Malrang who's going to go balls deep onto G2. That looks like you caught him. It's like, holy shit, we got him in like the cataclysm and the joke is you actually didn't you just forced yourselves into a team fight that like Rogue can mm. win because the re just at that moment just like when you're fighting the Zillion and you forget he revives until he revives you think oh I've almost got like comp and it's like no you don't because like look at the health he's going to get now and, and then all of a sudden you just fucking wrecked that there's nothing you can do so I thought that one was insane and by the way I alluded to it earlier so just for the sake of this one game we'll go to the, the player himself later but I thought in this one game like dude this is a really big game for Larson in his career to play fucking LeBlanc against Caps' Ari by the way Caps' Sorry, shit stomped that spring finals. Play it against that and just so fucking fire. He, he did like he even was landed like the combos and had all the like I never expected he. I, I didn't think he would have the mechanics on it, but I thought like, oh, you haven't played it that much in your career. Surely you're not going to actually smurf. I think he's pretty good. Yeah, I think that the LeBlanc pick was actually pretty good here because they don't have a lot of CC, so it's hard for them to like actually. I mean, that's that's what LeBlanc hates is like having to look at a fight it's like oh if i get hard cc'd one time here then i'm just i'm just dead you know you're just never able to enter whereas like when they're playing there i mean sure you have like the handshake from renata but you can re react to handshake you can re react to um the renata ult so like those are not hard cc in the context of you have a block on your team um the other chain I, be I believe it was gwen top right bb yes. played gwen top into orn okay so it's gwen top jarvin is like something that you don't worry about as the blank either it's not like a poppy stun or like you know for example if you go LeBlanc gets poppy, you W in, you get grounded by the W or you get flashied into a wall, you're just, you're just dead, you know? So I think that it was a, it was a good way to pick something where, because the zero was down, right? So you want to play something that's mobile into the RE so you're not susceptible to getting killed by uh, um, RE plus Jarvan combo. So it's a good pick there. And I mean, I just feel like he doesn't have to like, he doesn't have to go crazy in this game. Like I, I don't, I don't remember every single fight of the game, but it never felt to me like Larson had to carry carry the fight super hard. I felt like the the key pick was uh, the Soraka plus Callista combo. Like it seemed like that was really good because they would obviously when you have Soraka, enemy team wants to engage on the Soraka because if you don't engage on the Soraka, Soraka heals everyone. But then Callista would like ult the ult the Soraka out, so they would engage on the Soraka. Soraka would get ulted out, and then he would pull, put throw the Soraka back in, and then they would get like a CC combo off the Soraka. So. Um, yeah, I just thought that that overall, just the the comp from Rogue made a lot of sense, and I think yeah, it, how sexy was that move as well, where comp actually used like the fucking alt weapons go over the wall and like escape when they were caught at like the fucking the, near the gromp or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Go yeah. over, the blue buff, sorry, yeah, you know that wall that they had to go <laughs> over, like the that was fucking slick was as well. They were gonna get caught, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, it was clean as fuck. So yeah. I mean, I I, I mean, oh, I sorry, the old, whatever the thing where you throw the guy over is. Yeah, 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 it is the old. So. Uh, I mean, I just thought it was it was good with 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 Trimby and um, and Cobb. I just think that they, yeah. I think that they just really came into like, why do we need to be scared of this spotlight? Like, why? Yeah, they yeah. played 
that should that should almost give you confidence when the enemy team has to go set a seraphine to beat you and then you ban it out i mean i literally thought that g2's angle was going to be to just play seraphine with something else of course. like just play yes. seraphine bot and just play uh, an engaged support because other people have done that like in na you you see that actually quite a bit um because you know people are really bad at flanking and i think even in lec people are slightly better at flanking but they're not good enough to the same to the point where you're like hmm this is like really scary you need like something to protect the seraphine all the time um, so you can play a lot of front-to-back fights. In the previous series, there was a lot of front-to-back fights, even though Rogue had a game, the game versus Varus, where they should be flanking. It just felt like Rogue was going front-to-back non-stop. Um, with the Renekton, they were just getting eaten alive. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just one of the, those things where Rogue just came into it with a with a good mentality, and I'm, and I'm happy that they stopped banning out their fucking good champions. That was yes. so weird to me in the last series. Why are you banning out Jarvan when you have Malrong on your... Like, he's the Jarvan guy. Yep. He's the guy that plays Jarvan when it's not meta. Dude, the joke is, like, this actually happened. On the watch party, Yankos did a cataclysm, and I just went like, why the fuck would Malrang like, do that move? And then they were, they were like, do the Yankos is on the, that's the Jarvan on the other team. And I was like, that is how associated Jarvan is in my brain with Malrang. <laughs> Every Jarvan is just Malrang. It's true. It just fits his style of play so well, doesn't it? Yeah, and then it's also one of the champions where you could build kind of whatever the fuck you want and you'll still be useful. <laughs> like, so, which he which he permanently does. That goes without saying. Yeah, I know, of course. This guy, he's just. Uh, I don't I, look. I don't know if this guy has ever taken a mathematics class in his life, but if he did, he forgot everything from that class because the, like the the things that he does with his item builds, it's like you realize that you're just delaying your you're hurting yourself. Like every time, I wish that I could just shop for him every there single time go. he went into the base. Like, I just you need to do a video on the Malrang personal shopper and you just like review his game. Like, this isn't right for you, Malrang. The pink ward here, it's not the look. I'm feeling, you know, we're going more into like a gore drinker or something, you know? <laughs> he he loves the... The thing that, that's most confusing about Malrang is how much he hates completed items. Oh, like, he loves to like, do it where you just get the separate all ones for two items, doesn't he? Yeah. It's like, let me just get a bomby cinder and then I'm going to get an executioner's <laughs> calling, which is like, I mean, it's like cost efficient, but it doesn't actually like help you reduce the healing. So it's like, and then he'll, he'll be like, okay, and now I'm building a stopwatch. It's like, those are three yeah. separate components for three separate items. I mean, a stopwatch yes. can, be, uh, can be good, obviously, but the point is you go for these types of builds. And then by the time you complete your first build, it's like the, the whole point of completed items is a massive spike. Like yep. when you combine the components, they upgrade, they upgrade it to something more powerful than the sum of its parts. So yeah, I mean, he, he's triggering to watch in that sense, but look, if you're playing Jarvan and you just throw an E down and you slow them, you know, you press, press W uh, for, for a slow, you're providing utility, your team gets some attack speed, at least like you can do that. In terms of the gameplay, his Jarvan was really good. He yeah, played yeah. extremely well in, in the games, but yeah, still the shopping is, uh, it's tough. I have a point I want to make on that, though, which is this is why even Malrang at his peak, I don't still think he's actually like a truly elite jungler. And this is going to sound like haterism. Again, I don't give a fuck if people think this. Because, Dom, I actually think he goes for all of those fucking insane Flash Jarvan engages, whether he plays for Astralis or whether he plays for Rogue. And the reason I say that is this. I think one of the biggest... Because one thing I, I'm not good at what, what look like all the tactics always, but one thing I think I'm pretty good at is identifying the stylistic way teams play in all different games. And certain styles go better into other styles, hence why like UFC's so interesting. It's not just who's the best fighter, it's what style are you fighting against, right? And I have to say, one thing about 
about this series in particular that I thought I've never seen this from Rogue ever is, dude, Rogue is normally the team where if you catch someone and every all the other four could get out, they will get out and then they reset and then they go, right, look for another perfect angle where we can do it. Let's not go for a silly one. This game, dude, they played as though someone actually told them they get shot in the head if they don't win 3-0 because, mm -hmm. mate, the re-engages were fucking bonkers. Every time Malran would go in anywhere, they all followed up. Dude, they would even do stuff by later on in the series. Like, like, remember that mad, like, fucking TP that, like, Otto Amna did bot to try and save someone? Dude, this isn't rogue. Like, they flipped a different switch in this finals. Like, the amount of proactiveness of the team in general, as in, like, everyone follows it. It was like no man left behind shit. It was, it was amazing to watch. Because I don't think G2 was ready for that at all, mate. You could tell they thought they would they would have fights or skirmishes and they would like, do a win in this. They're going to sort of flee now. And then it would be like an insane re-engage. Yeah, I mean, it was it was really good re-engages. And I feel like G2 also, like, they, they had really poor judgment of, like, what 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 contextualized the winning fight for them and like having any type of, of um restraint and, and being able to just take an objective there's so many times where i was like all right g2 you've already won it and it just felt like they were like no we gotta fucking kill them where it's like wait you're like you guys are the team that are supposed to be you know poised you guys are supposed yes. to have just the ability to, to to really see the game clearly that's like that's one of the things of, of having a bunch of veterans right is you're supposed to be able to control the emotions of playing in front of a stage and all the hype and the screaming and all this stuff and actually make the correct decision and it felt like g2 just didn't have that quality at all that and that's one of the reasons why i thought g2 would win because they have that that championship sure. quality most of the time they're able to look at these situations analyze them there and you know do the correct thing for the game. I mean, sometimes just take the Drake, take the Drake. You've won, you've won by already forcing them out or you've chunked this guy already. Like you don't need to kill every single person every single time. Um, and part of that is obviously the comps. Like they're probably just not very comfortable against Soraka. So in game one, you know, they don't really know what, uh, what is actually breaking the threshold of, uh, of a kill and what's not a kill. That's part of it. But then another part of it is they just felt like the, like it's, the, the, the stage got to them, which is actually really surprising considering the, the tenure of the players on their team. Oh, definitely. Like, one thing I would say is very interesting. I think it was after game one. Someone could correct me, but I'm almost certain it was after that game one. Do you remember when they quickly cut to a shot of the G2 players when they got back to the, like, locker room after game one? Mate, you know normally the whole vibe of this team ever since 2019 is supposed yep. to be like, we roll it off, it's just a laugh. Dude, like, Caps' face was mental. It's like they just lost the final. It was only, like, one of the games or something. He was like... Just like doing that thousand yard stare. It was fucking mental. I remember just he being like, like he he looked like Danny. He looked like how Danny looked. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. He looked checked he out. That same vibe where it's like yeah. where it's like, is something wrong? Like like it's not like a just uh No, no, oh, it wasn't just, just sad, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Or it wasn't calm or it wasn't sad. It was like is he okay? Like that's how you felt. Shell like, shock with... for real, yeah. I thought so. Because everyone was saying to me, I right, just you know it's just like that, you know, you just have just got different expressions. It's like, mate, I, I'm not disturbing. I was almost like, just has someone look, gone wrong in scrims? Look at him before know? the first game. Look at him before the first game when they're all standing there, they're all smiling. And, you know, I, I even looked at it, I'm like, oh shit, this looks bad for Rogue. Like when you see just Caps yeah. just smiling with that like psychopath, like that, that fucking stare right before you, you get on stage, I'm like, that would be fucking terrifying for me if I was like a Rogue. Sure. Like, oh no, he's just about to do some fucking shit again. He's just going to take another championship. He's got the fucking crowd buff, you know? And then you look at him after game one, it just looked like a completely different um, player. And yeah, I mean, they did actually look tilted. Like if you, if you look at, and people always just say tilted is like, oh, yeah, tilt is just, you're bad. But the definition of tilt is actually that like, because of your emotional state, you are now playing over aggressive. I felt like they actually were tilting in this finals. Like a lot of the plays, like yes. a lot of the, the chases that they went for, it's like, <laughs> 
where is the restraint? Like this is this is like yeah, I mean it's literally just tilt. Yeah, people don't know. That's the one they always because you know what? there's a lot of people even just absolutely conflate choking and tilting. But the two, the joke is they're actually the opposite in the sense that like choking in theory for me usually it's not usually that you Passivity. made a proactive play. Yeah, it's like you were too scared to make a play or you just second guessed yourself and you fucked it up. <laughs> to me, tilt. If you don't know, tilt comes from arcade machines on pinball where the whole thing is because they don't want you to fuck with the pinball machine because you'd be able to make the ball go and not go in the hole. If you slam the sides too much, it says tilt and it disables the pinball machine and the ball drops down and you lose automatically so the premise is you're being like a fucking ape just like slapping the machine and they're like tilt that's it that's the, what you do when you tilt mate when you tilt it's like I'm, it's like you're just in rage mode just going forwards as an animal and they just destroy you completely but put it this way tilt would be like what Humanoid and Hillisang have done in some of the games this year split like that's tilt for you mate Rogue's more the chokers that's why I would defy that but yeah I, think, I absolutely agree G2 looked like that a lot of the time in fact they looked like they always thought they would win these fights. Because if we go to game two, mate, obviously there's only three games, so we'll do that and then do the bigger topics. Game two was insane to me because this was the one actually where, apologies, it was the Renekton game, right? Well, if you remember, Renekton on dude, coming into this series, if you asked me what are my dream drafts in terms of people to, or what I want Rogue to take, I would say I want them to take Renekton on Oduamni because he's not going to get ahead. If he gets ahead, it's not, they're not going to play around him. It's going to be a liability. And then basically G2 is going to win. Like that's going to be the way that Broken Blade gets ahead. They're going to gank him a lot with Yankos, fuck him up under the tower early and it's just going to be game over. Right? Not only was Oduamni okay and just fine, even got times good on the Renekton, but mate, this was the game of the insane region engages like rogue just were unwilling to stop fights here mate they would just force insane re-engages over and this was the one if people remember where they had the craziest comp i would ever see draft rogue draft in my life mate with because they had spellbook teleport they had like four champions because obviously they had time kids they had like essentially like four champions with with like global abilities just going around the map like this was wild dude and it allowed them to just basically do all these crazy fights like what did you think of this map game um well, I thought that this was actually a game where you'd be able to to see more of of like G2 style come out. I thought that they actually had like some advantages. And then when you look at um just like the top lane matchup, right? Like I believe that was the one where um, Atrox. Where, where BB was playing yep. Atrox, a right? Classic, and that's what they, classic pick for him. And more importantly, in the last series, that was that was one of the reasons why I I thought the G2 won, because they were playing this yes. Aatrox, they were letting the Renekton the Renekton is supposed to be a counter pick, right? And they were letting the Renekton play into the, to, to the Aatrox, and then BB was just like ahead in lane or even in lane where he should be losing or absorbing pressure um, from enemy jungle. But in this game, it just felt like BB like like BB just was behind the entire time, and it just felt like Marong was able to just do whatever um, he wanted. So I felt like this was the game where I was kind of expecting um, G2 to, to pull it back. I mean, the, the Jarvan pick uh, didn't look great when Yankos played it in game one, and I thought that this was not the easiest... Um, it's not the easiest Jarvan game in the world in game two uh, as well, because they have a lot of dashes on the enemy team. So that's normally something you don't want to play into um, when you're playing something like a Jarvan, but he was, he was just able to to get it done. So, I mean, Hey, props, uh, props to Marog. I just thought that this was probably for me, his best game of the series. I just thought he played really well in this one. Um, I mean, he just, yeah, he was just able to find the angles. He was just able to, you know, execute when, when he needed to. And it didn't matter if the enemy team had uh, more movement speed or anything like that. He was able to like, yeah, just engage at the right times, which is crucial for Jarvan. He's hitting a lot of knockups in this game too. Yeah, a couple of angles I would say for this particular game. This was the game where I really was just like, dude, just, I guess what's wrong just wins. If they win this game, they just win the series. Because if you remember, there was like a point in the mid game where G2 was looking like they were winning the fights, mate. They were looking like they're getting the mm -hmm. better of them. It also looked like 
if you if you look at the comp that they have on Rogue, it looked like, dude, don't they just like outscale, get outscaled in a minute? Like if they sort of don't take the the game by the scruff of the neck now, they probably just lose anyway. And they're not necessarily looking the best in the fights. But they then just proceeded to win just like tons of fights over and over. And this is actually the game where as much as I memed, because obviously it was Caps who did the like back to Lissandra. It's like, you've just been sent back to Lissandra by fucking Larson on LeBlanc, mate. I've got to say, memes aside, he actually played pretty good this game. I thought Caps actually he did everything he fucking could. He tried. I thought this was actually not a bad one. This is like, I think overall, this was the best game from G2. Yeah, it was definitely the best game from G2. I'm, they could have won it. Part of, it's just like, when you look at the draft, though, when I was looking at this, I'm like, this is exactly where Rogue wants G2. Yes. They want Caps to be playing Lissandra. Yep. Even if he plays really well on Lissandra, at the end of the day, he's playing fucking Lissandra, right? You challenge him Flacken to carry, exactly. Yes, and you challenge Flacken to carry, and <laughs> yeah. Flacken had moments where he could carry. If he, he was, was a better well. player... Yeah. He could have carried this, you know, like if he was a, a, you know, prime fucking reckless or like perks in, 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 in G2 and in 2019 when he played AD carry, like this is a game where the AD carry can, can actually carry it. He's just going too far forward. He doesn't know where, he, where what is actually a kill and what's not a kill. Um, yeah, I think he just didn't play as well as, as he could. And then also BB just had an, an awful Aatrox game. Like the team fighting from the Aatrox here was yeah. terrible. Oh, he was like almost he invisible was, in this game, man. <laughs> I mean, there was a bunch of times where like, he hits like a couple knockups and the whole yep. game is just over. But yeah, he just, he just missed all those, to... all those sword things. He just fucking missed them all somehow. I don't know how. He's a really good Xbox player, even guys. This, this, I think the finals just got to him. He just had a bad finals in general. He he had he had a bad finals. I mean, this is the worst he's played probably all year. And then the other thing I would say is this, because well, like I say, we'll loop back to some of the players for game three. The interesting thing about this one is this was like Rogue just went with like. Finally, this is like this is more like a rogue draft, mate. These are just like normal champions. Yeah, these are even champions you might associate with some of the players. Like, this is actually way more like what I might want to see. So to me, I almost feel like by game three, the psychological war had been won. Like, look, they tried, they tried in game three G2, but they were nowhere close, in my opinion. Because the problem is this, like Broken Blade, I don't know what I like. I know he's doing it because it's like it's, it's my it's my pick. The Fiora, like this was such a worthless Fiora game, mate. Like it, it was, it shouldn't even have been picked, in my opinion. What do you think of that? I mean, it's supposed to counter the the trucks. Like it's supposed to be like a, <laughs> yeah. a pretty good counter. I mean, yeah. look, if that's breathe on Fiora or oh, like sure. been on Fiora, if we get an LPL oh, Fiora in this, I mean, it just it just it just is what it is. Yes. You know, I I always make the joke on stream, but BB just doesn't speak enough Mandarin. That's how, that's how. That's how you play Fiora. Like the it scales with your ability to with your Mandarin proficiency, and he just doesn't have the Mandarin proficiency to play the champion. It just doesn't look like a pick that um, people can really execute in the West. It's mainly that he's not like a Clementine playing. level of proficiency. But yeah, keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> okay, well, that's right. pretty good. Go on, keep going. All right, different types of oranges. I like it. Okay, so um. <laughs> When, when he was playing on uh, on the, the Fiora, I mean, he didn't get a lane lead. He didn't actually pick the rune for lane. So most of the time when you see Fiora okay. into Aatrox, a lot of times they'll pick Grasp. And sometimes even what we saw in NA was that like the, the Aatrox will match Grasp into Fiora to try to oh, right. minimize okay. the amount of advantage that Fiora gets. So here he's going the Conqueror, which is like better in team fights, but it's worse in lane. And it's especially worse with like how you want to play versus an Aatrox. Like you don't want to end up in these massive extended trades. You just want to be annoying. You want to queue a vital, get a grass proc, back off. If he tries to engage with his Qs, you parry it, you back off again. Like you just pretty much just have an answer to everything Aatrox wants to do. Your Qs are, are too easy um, in, in dodging the Aatrox Q. Your W is just so telling. Like you can, because Aatrox Qs are so slow. The knockups are so slow. It's so easy for you to land good yes. parries. Um, and here he played for teamfights, and I, n I almost never see 
Western Fiora players play a team fight well. No, it's no. extremely difficult. But if you get like a good grand challenge on a key target, like Fiora can team fight, which is something that a lot of people just disagree with. People oh, will say, gosh. oh, Fiora is a split pushing champion. No, you can team fight. You just have to be very fucking good in the team fights. It's, I mean, it's it's like uh, when we're talking about Little Blanc, if you get CC'd once, you die. Yes. If you get polyed at the wrong time, you die, but you have an answer to it. That's the thing is you have you have parry. You have an answer to those abilities, and it's all about the timing for it. Now, you might naively think, Thorin, obviously LEC's over, LCS is over, LPL's over, LCK is over. What is there to bet on? Well, you can already get going on the World Championship for League of Legends. Look down here. You have all these teams, don't you? Playing all the planes. You can already get going with these squads. It's in a bunch of days, but you start already. Then you've also got like EU Masters Summer, or bunch of stuff, right? If it's available when this video comes out. So there you go. You can bet on Fnatic. Got pretty good odds on a bunch of these games. Evil Geniuses, if you're an NA fan, who knows who they'll be taking at this point in time. You've got DRX, you've got Deft, one of the most legendary players of all time. You've got Zhao Hu, the reigning world, uh, MSI champions of RNG. You've got Mad Lions, and he, uh, not Humanoid, Niski, Kaiser, El Yoya. So there's some, there's some big games here. I'd go and look, because some of them actually, you can get pretty good odds on the side of the team that you probably want to put the cash on, right? You can, you can get some pretty good ones if you really believe in them. You're Dragon X 3.0 against RNG. You know what? I think RNG's probably a better team. Listen, mate, bot lane meta. I don't know if Kaiser will be around at this point in time. I think I'll say I'll put 500 on this. And obviously, Mad Lions and Fnatic, if you're a European fan, back to the show. Right, I think what we do now is I want to talk about some of the specific players, but obviously let's talk about them over the whole series. Right, the obvious name I'm going to go to, and it's not to diss him, it's not even, it's not even supposed to be a donk. Like, I actually think within context, this was about the best he could have done for the way the game was caught. Right, let's do the flackhead conversation. Here's how it starts, Dom. Miss me every fan on Twitter going, he was still doing all right damage. He was doing okay. The whole game was set up as though he was Uzi I, motherfucker. He was supposed to be the MVP of this series if they win. That is how they set the game up. As you said, in game two, that's why I hate the Lissandra. It's not the flack, it's not that Caps can't play. It's not they couldn't play to win. He can't play to win if he's got fucking flack in his ADC on a carry champ, mate. That ain't happening. And so, in general, this series is almost like. They came in thinking like they'll be, like G2 came in thinking we'll be the ones who do like the different draft and they'll never expect us to play through bots or watch this. And mate, it was fucking whack. Like they gave him three dude, he even got the they it, Rogue even gave him the Zeri in the last game. Just like, you know what, motherfucker? Take the most OP ADC in the game and see if you can do anything. You can't. We'll take the trophy. Like, it's not I'm hating on Flackett. I'm actually hating on G2 in a way. The coaches, I don't know why they put me in this position. Because if you're us and we've spent the whole year pointing out, like, obviously people like Upset and Comp and these guys are way better than him. All the haters are like, nobody does his job. And top yeah, you, could, you didn't let him do his job this time. You actually, what you did basically is you threw him in the deep end when he's not a really good swimmer and he drowned. Well, I mean, He's or just, just peddled water, whatever. He is, yeah, he is a ghost from damn one back in the day, yeah. He he's ghost. That's that's how you want to play with him. You want him to neutralize the lane. You want to give him key abilities in team fights. You don't want him to to have to make like the micro decisions in the fight where it's like, how many like autos am I gonna get off here? Or like, can I actually go forward? Like, did they use enough cooldowns? Like, that's what makes a super elite AD carry. When you look at somebody like Viper, you look at somebody like Ruler right now, the ability for their like brains or their their cognitive ability to just 
look at every single skill shot and be able to like time like they'll see five at the same time and they'll just instantly be like okay those five are down it's like and what's the next one and then they'll see oh this last the sixth one just came in and now i can go forward and just like flash it to a team fight and, and take it over they're so good at having that ability and that's that's something that if you're a newer player it's just difficult you know to, to under pressure be able to find these openings is really tough Oh, he's um, still a rookie, let's be real. It's his first year in LEC. That, that's also why I thought it was a bit rough, just this draft in general, mate, because if there's one player, I would say, he's going to obviously be gapped by. You said it earlier, it's going to be it's going to be ADC. That goes without saying, mate. Yeah, I mean, AD carry and, and support. I mean, I feel like in, in this series, Target Muscle was also, you know, worse than Trimby. I think Trimby played extremely well. Um, and part of it is, yeah, they're just not great in lane. Like, you, you yeah, give true. them lanes. I mean... It's not like we're in, okay, so Renata is not supposed to be good into Soraka, but it's mainly just like the concept of the champions. Like you can kill this lane. Like you are playing Draven Renata. If you get a good flash handshake onto somebody, you can try to like force sums. You can like play aggressively. It feels like G2 just doesn't do that. You know, like the way that they've gotten by is, hey, just don't lose bot, be stable, and then group up with the team and we'll win. That, that's been, or like, Togamus will go roam and Flocka just don't die. You know, like, that's how they, they so want to There was the no game. roam timings in any of these games because they were never fucking up in lane when they don't like they're gonna, He never could. Like, everyone says, like, I agree. When he's on roam, he looks like one, of the, like one of the great supports in the future. Like, he's going to have a great career, but he can never be unleashed. Can, that's the thing people are forgetting, Dom, from back in season nine. The reason season nine was so interesting was, like, you had to unlock the support to then take over and help the mid and then open the whole map. Like, if you couldn't ever get them out of lane, they would. You, then having Hillis yeah. doesn't help. He's just stuck in lane, any. I mean, I would I would just say that like it's just it's also just the champions that, that you're playing. You know, like you're playing Karma. Like what did he play? He played a game of Karma, a game of Renata, and a game of Soraka. Like what are you roaming? What what are you doing if you're trying to true. roam on those champions? So it's like yeah, true. That that's why I thought that an angle could have been pull out like a, a, a Seraphine Nautilus. You know, pull out something to unleash the support. Have your support move around the map. Try to make plays because that's what G two strong at ban out the key champions that you think are going to to make this impossible so ban out if you think yumi makes this impossible ban it out if you think lulu makes it impossible ban it out that's fine and just like allow yourselves to to play with the same identity that you did in the last series because that's when g2 looked their best right neutralize bot lane doesn't matter what happens on the other like side of the map uh you know you'll just show up in team fights cast your seraphine ult press w help everyone else and you'll win um just like that so for me it just seemed like by the last game i mean they just didn't even know who they were anymore. It's like, okay, so we have this, we have this like RE pick. Okay. But then we have a Fioro. Okay. So we have pretty weak team fights, but we also like don't have really winning lane from the mid lane because you're playing Ari into Azir. And then we have like a Soraka on our team. So like the Soraka wants to get into the team fights, but that's not even what our, like, it just seemed like it was all over the place. They just didn't know what to do anymore. They completely collapsed um, in this. So, I mean, I would say that, um, I don't know if I would say G2 choked the series, because it seemed like Rogue just played well. It felt like G2 just expected Rogue to choke, honestly. They're like, they kind of bought uh, bought into the narratives of, oh, this is like Rogue can't play when it matters. We'll just play solid. And if we play solid, we'll win because we're better. Here's the thing, though. That's not actually as silly as when you're saying it as you might think. Because here's the thing. If people don't know, this is aged fucking so well. But I've always said the reason I don't totally give up on Rogue, not that I said did win, but I don't give up on the idea. You notice I always argue the idea that like regular season games matter for something, it shows something about them as a team. Like if they can ever just play like that in the playoff, blah, blah, blah. Because everyone tries to be, do that thing of like, who cares about regular season? Like, I'm sorry, if you're like the greatest player of all time, you don't just have whack regular seasons all the time and then only win in the playoffs. That doesn't 
exist. The greatest of all time is pretty good in more, probably, probably the best player in the playoffs, in the regular season and the playoffs. That's what Michael Jordan's like, mate. He just, just take 30 games off and just take around and then come back. He just dominates you every time he can. So to <laughs> me, what like that 35 all, points yeah. a game for a season. <laughs> so know? to me, like what that suggests is Rogue can do it when there's no pressure. Now, obviously, look, if you want to talk about the goats, yeah, that's not worth too much, mate. You have to eventually do it in the playoffs. But to me, it was always like, they're going to break through eventually if they keep playing like this. If they keep having these good splits, if they keep having these good players, like sooner or later, people are going to fix things, things are going to tweak. And so if you don't know the analogy in Counter-Strike, people don't, it's, it's probably the craziest story of all time. Imagine this analogy. I'll give you the league analogy. Imagine those years where Rocks Tigers used to be first every regular LCK split and then they only won the one time where scoring KT took credit of SKT for them. They never had to beat SKT. And then they won one time ever, didn't win Worlds. Didn't, that's it. That was That's all they got out of it. They got like basically one LCK title. And that's kind of whack because they could have been one of the greatest teams of all time. Now imagine they never broke up though, Dom. Imagine they'd played for like three more years with the same lineup. And suddenly in the next years, they break through a couple of times and they win. And then you know what? Next time they win Worlds two years later. And by the end of it, right, they've made their dynasty so that like the seconds and the th are pretty good because they've also got the first and all the championships as well. And they would then, for real, they could have been like a contender for like greatest team of all time. That happened in Counter-Strike. The core of this team that was Astralis used to be the team that if it wasn't the big tournament, they would win over all the other teams. But when it was, because essentially we don't have leagues, we have tournaments instead of the circuit. But when it would be the big tournament with the big money and the major, like all the pressure, they were like guaranteed to lose. In fact, they could even occasionally lose to a much worse team but they, and, the, and obviously their rivals would beat them now what was insane about that was every fan can only see what you are now because they just like watch what's on the screen and see the score so they used to go like they'll never win and I was always like bro they're this close like imagine they ever activate in that way it's over and that is actually what happened. They got like a slightly different set of players in the but they essentially became the greatest team of all time and created like the most insane Counter-Strike dynasty probably ever in history. Now, I'm not saying Rogue is going to do that, but I do, by the way, as an interesting thing about this final, think this does imply that they're in the mix for the next two titles if they keep the same lineup and they're going to certainly be a strong team. And it does feel like the way that they won maybe broke some of the issues that they had. And I think the key thing for me overall is this. This is sort of what I've always wanted them to have, which is you could still play loads of games with like the boring style and just pick the standard pick. That's fine. That's what wins you loads of best of ones. But they never had this fifth gear. They never had a they never had drafts like game one and game two of this series and playing like game two, mate. They, this is where you've got to have that extra notch. And that's what that's what I've seen change in Rogue. Like I think this is this finals especially was like it was like the fucking birth of a potentially great team. Yeah, I mean, I think that also they didn't have to play under the same pressure they normally have to play under. I think that that's like actually a, a huge thing because people will try to make it seem like, oh, it's a finals. Every finals is, is equal. But there's a difference between going in as a massive favorite where you're just yeah, expected yeah. to win and going in like they did recently. And if you hear, I mean, if you hear everyone, everyone's counting them out, right? Like, so pretty much like they don't have, I mean, if Rogue lost this, I wouldn't have said they choked because they didn't have a good regular season. The reason I got those season. odds was because not only did the odds makers set it, but then obviously everyone put all their money on G2 and Fnatic. That's how I got the Dude, even Fnatic, I got like 2.6 or something. on That's impossible. How could it be that? But it was. Everyone would thought, Rogue are chokers. Fnatic at least has some clutch play. Yeah, the, the argument was, they, no one, the money tells you no one's ever believed in Rogue less. Ever. Normally they're like, oh, but if they're underdog, Dom, they'd be like, you know, the 40, 60 underdog, wouldn't they? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that Rogue in general, when you look at the team, like, look, I mean, people people were memeing it the whole time. It's like, you can't choke if you're bad. You can't choke if you're actually yeah, losing true. regular season. Yep. So it's like they almost relieve their pressure by not 
having not being front runners every single other time they'd been a front runner for the most of the split like they're yeah, yeah. number one in regular season they're expected to, to do well i mean the series versus versus uh mad the the first best of five they played they were expected to win that by most people's estimation so um i think that that's something that that people are are missing or even the players seem like they're they're missing it yes um from a lot of like the the, the interviews and stuff like i hear like these weird things where like i mean odo had, had the tweet where he, or the um the interview where he's like oh like how come when we lose we're chokers and when we we beat fanatic fanatic are not chokers it's like well because fanatic like no one believe like in order to be a choker you need to actually have people believe in you and when fanatic is like barely making fucking playoffs they're not expected to win they're not expected to actually do well whereas like when rogue is consistently like first place then you have expectations that they're going to perform and it's not even just the standings and stuff like that it's the actual gameplay like when rogue lost that final in spring they didn't play like themselves at all it wasn't like g2 just played amazing and g and rogue played at their best but g2 was just better it was like g2 played well and rogue just made so many uncharacteristic mistakes like it's, uh, whenever the tide shift shifted at all into their favor they would like instantly lose they would just make a bad play and instantly lose um yeah they're the game right there so for for me it's just I, I like yeah i mean rogue obviously won i don't know if they like if i view it as like oh they overcame choking i think that they actually just played with a lot less pressure than they normally put on themselves like maybe they're a team that is better at not being front runners <laughs> like maybe maybe they should change the way that they scrim because they actually were t were losing a ton of scrims beforehand if you look if you listen to like what said Odo 20 said, I mean, win rate right 20% win rate. I actually heard it was worse than that. Maybe oh, okay. I, I have I bad information. I heard that they won. Let me let me actually check. I think I just saw a headline that said that. So let me let me let me check real quick. Uh, what oh, I, mate, I think it was even worse. I think it was like 20% since like week eight of the split or some some mental thing start like that. There was some line someone had. So I heard that they were seven wins and 67 losses in scrims. Okay. Which means that you're losing like four to five games every single Dude, you know something mad about that? Here's a weird way my brain instantly interprets that since they won. That's what even, that might even be why the team that arrived at the finals was unrecognizable from normal Rogue. Because think about what normally happens, Dom. Supposedly, they are a pretty good scrim team, if not one of the best in the mm -hmm. LEC for all these past splits. Well, the problem with that is it will absolutely give you all the fake confidence in all your drafts and everything you're doing. Whereas instead, if you play a billion scrims, this is why I believe also, by the way, people like G2 famously, the super team, could sometimes have bad scrims against Asians and then beat them. What it also shows you is, don't go with your original read. In fact, all these billion losses are showing you what doesn't work for you and you just keep looking for something else, keep looking for something else find something else and it's just going to push you if if you have if you had enough scrims essentially one day you would arrive at like a comp that works it would just happen wouldn't it yeah i mean for me i think it's it's not like you go into scrims now it's like oh well, we try to lose this no it's no just, of you, course scrim, not. you scrim in a different way you scrim like to try to get better at different things and when you've already like when you already have a pretty good grasp on a, on a on a concept you don't keep on playing it until you hit the like 10th degree of it you're like okay like yes we trust our ability to play that what are other iterations that we can play that fit into our play style? Because I think that that's something that, that they did well here is they're, they're honest with what their play style is where in other splits, it felt like they were just super dishonest with, with what, like who they are as, as players, you know, like, you know what Odo is good on. Look at what he played this series. He's not playing some fucking crazy picks. He's not playing Fiora and Gwen and like all this random shit. What is he playing? He's playing Aatrox, Renekton, Orn. Yes. 
like even though Larson has the LeBlanc game, like sure, like I'm not saying you can never pick a champion that is not like a mage, but he picks it in a really good situation. He doesn't oh, sure, pick yeah. it in a in a game where it's like a 50-50 where it's oh, if you really pop off you can do it, but it's a hard game. You know, like you just you're more honest with what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are. And they came out with better drafts because they're not trying to be too smart. And and part of it I think that was really telling. I listened to um uh Larson uh, talk about it on Euphoria. He was talking about uh, the the Senna Seraphine draft where they where they were thinking about the draft as like oh well Freddie prepped a million drafts but they just never we we just never had a draft prep that actually was into Senna Seraphine which is like I don't even think that that's the right way that you should be conceptualizing drafts you should not be thinking about like what exact champions you should be just thinking about your style their style and like plug in playing things into it because yes. then I feel like then you'll you'll be able to answer a lot more things. You can never know exactly what the enemy team is going to draw. I mean, sure, like sometimes you can get lucky, but most of the time I think that it's better to just like understand who your team is, who the enemy team is, and just funnel like the the what's happening on the stage into like what your your read of of the games are. Obviously, you can take information from from the games that are played in front of you, but instead of it just being like, "Oh, we didn't know what to do against Seta Seraphine." It's more just like, "What what do we want? We want to have a aggressive winning bot lane." Yes. We want we want to yeah. win bot because their bot lane is weak. Targamas and Flocket are bad in laning, uh, b- bad at laning. We are good at laning. Like so, how are we going to manipulate this to our advantage? So then, if something like a Senna Seraphine cap- catches you off guard, you at least don't run it back in another game. At least at that point, you're like, okay, that's something that neutralizes what 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 we do. Remove that and then try to force them back into like your game plan. Like you want to force the enemy team into your game plan, and that's what they did in the series. Like most of the games are rogue games like those are the games that rogue wants to be playing they want to be playing a game where they get like the jarvin pick into trundle and they have like the winning bot lane they have pressure all that stuff thing is though i'll just bring it back a sec i'll disagree though on the point where you say about like not overcoming the choking angle because here's the thing in my opinion the idea that they just like straight up choke always i do think that sort of died in the in the upper bracket final against um Fnatic in spring. I do think that sort of killed that, or at least it made them believe like we don't have to choke or whatever. In the final, I agree. They just played absolute shit. And I also think they got completely draft gapped and weren't even prepared for what G2 was going to do. They didn't know that Ari was just going to smurf the whole series. They didn't even think that through. Then in this particular upper bracket where they lost to G2, this one, they they just played really poorly and they utterly drafted themselves to shit. Like that, and also G2 smurfed on some champions. So as a result, like that one, I also don't think is choking. I think they fundamentally weren't as good in that series and and they had no business to, if you look Look at the way the draft went. But the difference is, in this final, it's not that they like overcame the choke overall. Like I'm saying, I think they've sort of gradually started to do that. They might still have a tendency to do it. We'll see in a future year. But the key thing is, though, to win like this, and especially against Caps, G2, all that, that's why I was making the analogy about the Astralis one before. I've always thought another thing that happens to the teams that get tortured and could be number one, but they keep being on number three, number four, and they never get like the win, is... It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You've just lost so many times. Something inside your brain's like, what's going to go wrong now? Or you win, you get up two games, it's like, no, they're only going to bloody probably make it the same five. Like, I've always said the difference between a winner and a loser is this. A winner goes up two games and they're starting to lose game three and they go, let's fucking close this shit now. A loser goes like, we've got game four. That's As soon as you do that in your mind, you are dead. Like that, that thinking right there will kill you because the amount of times I've seen underdogs be up in series and they were looking like they were going to win and it goes to game five and it's actually just the other team sweeps back or the other team wins the key game five and it was one, one, two, two. And then the other team wins like that's that happens so many times. So to me, the way that they won and how emphatically they won, there's not really any reason that they should like choke in, in beyond just have a bad game or something like I feel like in theory, 
this win could be the one that breaks them through. Like, wow, well, if you were rogue and the next split started tomorrow, you'd be confident as fuck in the next split. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that, that that's like I'm not saying that that they haven't like kind of released the pressure on themselves. Like, I, in in terms of that, I'm just thinking that like this is not if they lost to make them super clutch. If you go the opposite way, right? Well, I mean, oh, I agree with you. Also, G2 was supposed to win, of course. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like this is not to, to them where like they they were in a position where they could have choked. I don't think you can choke here. I think no, that, like fair. choking choking is is dependent on what your position within yes. like the league is. So normally, so if you're an underdog, you're just not choking by losing. You just lost. Yes. I mean, so, like I said before, the choke would have been if they'd lost three zero to Fnatic in that spring open bracket final, right? Yeah, that would have been that would have been a choke. Um, I mean, I just it's like it's even just the the way that the games go. I I, I think more about that. Like the thing about Rogue is you can tell some series they're mentally checked out at a certain point, and you could see that in the G two upper bracket um, series. Like I'm not I'm not sure if that's a choke. Like, but my point is that like when you look at that series, every single time that they get an advantage, they instantly like do something dumb where they just they just lose it instantly. Whereas, you know, if you're a solid team like you make the enemy team work for that or you close out some of those games when you're ahead so i think that, that rogue is like I don't, I don't even know if, if like i'm arguing choking it's more that i just think that they are like a fragile team like when there starts being a ton of pressure on certain moments i don't know if like they're going to pull it out in the in those moments most of the time i think here they were able to do it but i think that historically what about for the whole playoff run though because here's the thing i agree the g2 series is crap the upper bracket one but if you look yeah. overall like obviously they had the Mad Lions win. Dude, some people thought Mad Lions were going to win the playoffs. They had yeah. Mad Lions win. We did the... some people I did, don't, yeah. I don't, it's true. Some people... They had the, the Fnatic one, obviously, which was a very different type of series. You had sort of three totally different... All three series were totally different. The opponents were all the best. Like, does winning against all the best, does that in some ways... You... Essentially, it sounds like you're still pulling back. Like, you're like... Here, I'll, I'll put it together. From what you're saying, it sounds like if next split, Roll comes along and they're like second in wins and then they go to the playoffs... If there's a really dominant team, you're going to pick the dominant team and not Rogue. No, that, that's not. That's not. It's actually. Okay. The, it's just if they're the dominant team, that that's, that's okay. That's that's like, the final test then. Because I, yeah. I like the way you have kept moving the test along. It's like here's te It's like here's the inter here's the beginner's test. You pass that now. Okay. Okay. You're making finals. That's cool. That's cool. And then you're like, okay, right? Can I get my license? No, no, no. You you have to be able to drive. Right now, there's the intermediate test. What happens if you're in a sticky situation? What happens if someone pulls the brake or someone swerves in front? Right. Okay. Okay. You crashed a few times, but you finally got that. Okay. There's your intermediate one. And then like, all right, surely now I can just go and drive. Well, no, I mean. Dom's like, no, get in this Formula One car and you have to win <laughs> Formula One like World Championship. If you do that, you're the greatest driver of all time and there's your license. Like, I'm making hyperbole, obviously, but you, you're sort yeah. of still holding one no, thing I mean, back, it's, right? It's essentially just the way that I, uh, the way that I view choking is not just like, did you win or you lose a, a clutch moment? Yes. Like, the way that I view choking is, are you expected to win or are you expected to lose going uh, into it? So dude, I'll give you the best example ever. You know, here's the thing. I think this is egregious as fuck. There's two players that were called chokers a long time. Oduamne and Yankos, and Yankos, right? You know yes. this. Here's the difference. Go look at Yankos's teams, right? He has like he has a few years, like H2K, where maybe on Odo's in that team as well. He has a few years where maybe they're supposed to win. 
it's really once he gets to the, and then maybe in G2, you could, you could argue the rosters are comparable, maybe whatever. Like, I think that one was more like, it was hit and miss, especially because it was a jungle. I think people just didn't know how you judge the game. Like, if your team loses the semi-finals to 3-0, good luck looking fucking amazing as a jungler. Like, I'd, I'd have to get you to do like, the five-hour VOD review to really know if you're choked or whether you just like, you got behind, you got gapped in the jungle. There's a million facts that can happen. The Odor one, I always thought was a bit whack because I do think he individually has bad games sometimes in a series. But you sure. look at the early part of his career, mate, you know when he was on the bad H2Ks? Set Nice was the best they could have done, bro. They were never supposed to be in the final against, like, Fnatic back then. Like, you know what I mean? Those teams were like... Remember, he had, like, fucking Yarnan as his ADC. He had fucking Kasing as his support. These aren't bad players, but they weren't, like, the beasts. It's not, like, forgiven and reckless. Like, I think some of those ones are bad. Yeah. And then, obviously, people are going to count, like, when he's on teams like Schalke and stuff. Again, they're not supposed to. If if him and Upset make, like, a semi, bro, they already did their job at that point. They're not supposed to win and go to... The, that's not a chalk. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, I think that this is like, I guess, I guess the more I think about it, this is a distinction, right? I think that Rogue performed under pressure. Like, yes. I don't think, I don't think that performing under pressure or being like clutch in a situation is necessarily the opposite of choking. Like, I think you okay. can be clutch when people don't believe in you, right? And I think if people don't believe in you, it gives you a completely different vibe as a competitor going yeah, yeah. into the series because it's like, oh, there's like nothing to lose, right? Like you go into that final, everyone's saying, yeah, Rogue is Rogue is going to fucking, Rogue is going to get shit on. They're going to get 3-0'd, right? Yes. So then like you go in with a different mentality as a competitor than if you're the favorite and it's like, yeah. Like, so, I mean, if you're going to say like, like, so for example, if G2 like choked in some of games here, like they actually just played worse than themselves with the pressure, I think that that would be be more acceptable. Like Rogue beat a team that that was choking, but I don't think that, that way, means that like Rogue didn't choke. There's another thing. I also will say this. I also don't think G2 choked the final. I actually think a bunch of players had bad games. I think they drafted appallingly after the first game. And I think basically the whole game plan was very silly. And I also will add, I think they were absolutely sort of like sucker punched in the face by the first games. And they were like, what the... We didn't even have... Like, they, they were in the Freddy 1-2-2 scenarios. Like, look, we ran the Doctor Strange of everything that could happen and none of these were in there. Like, fucking hell, are we down 2-0? Like, I, I actually think if you look at game two and game three, G2 played okay in these games or even good at times. Yeah, I think game three was... was I mean, it's weird, right? Because, like, Yankos, I, I think, had some, like, really weird games for him. Like, he, like when where was the Yankos that's going to, like, get a kill in the early game? True. There was just almost no advantages. So like they're playing situations where you think like, okay, you have like Lissandra plus a trundle. You're going to be able to get some type of advantage at some point. Um, you're going to be able to find a kill at some point, but you're just really not getting these, these early game leads. And then I, I just feel like G2 kind of um, misevaluated their own strength on certain picks because other teams were banning it. Right. So because other teams didn't want to play into Flackhead Draven, they're like, that's one of our picks, like Flackhead Draven. That's how we win. But it's like, no, like that's even though like other teams are, are banning it, that doesn't mean that you then think, oh, I'm super strong on this pick. It's more like, oh, I think that they, they don't really understand like what our strengths and our weaknesses are. And you take the free ban, but you don't actually have to opt into like, well, now that it's up, we have exactly. to fucking pick it. Yes. You know, you can kind of be more tame and more realistic with even if even if a team gives it to us, that is that still is not our strength. We should still stick to our guns and be looking to play weak side bot laners like we want to essentially just neutralize the bot lane and still win hard through top and i've got to say the draft of g2 on the bands 
for game three is like the craziest fucking surrender I've ever seen. First of all, because he has one good game on it, Oddo has now gone from liability on Renekton to I must ban it against him. That's I don't even know that that's necessary, guys. And then secondly, yeah. it's like they just decided, you know what? Actually, fuck you, Flacken. We're going to make Comp the MVP. We're going to ban four ADCs against him, but give him the Siver. And then even on that, he's going to carry like... like no, is this yeah. one of these bans? I know. Yeah, it was uh, it, it was rough. It, like, it was I would have been weird. tempted, by the way, I know hindsight is twenty twenty, but I would have been tempted to waste some bands maybe more on, like, fucking junglers or something. Man. Get Malrang on some stupid shit. Let's see what happens to the series then, you know? Yeah, I mean, he, he looked bad on the Vi game that he played in game one versus Fnatic, exactly. so I feel like he was really comfortable on, on, on Jarvan, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it, I, I'm not sure what G2's best angle was what I said earlier. I still stand by, which is I think that they should have tried to like force the Seraphine. I think they should have tried to force the like weak side bot. Like, yeah, we are yeah. going to weak side bot lane. It doesn't matter if you have Caitlyn, doesn't matter if you get fucking Sever Lulu. We're going to just put a Seraphine bot lane and we are going to try to win through topside. We just are going in case to, like, people don't get it, they, obviously these were never banned. They could have just picked this at any time they wanted. Well, it's it's like Senna was banned, and they're like, all right, that's like our Senna Seraphine lane gone. But like Seraphine still exists. Oh, you can play it without Senna as well. Come on. Yeah. So I mean, I think that that would be a, a better angle. Like, just force your yourself into your own, um, like into things that make sense. I mean, even if you want to weak side, uh, bot lane. I mean, you could also try different things. You can try to ban one of the ads. So you ban Zeri, and then you play play Sivir. And if they go Caitlyn, like I think that that game was was fine just run it back again like i would have been more willing to opt into that than to opt into the the siver zeri trade because caitlin's just not that good of a fucking pick like caitlin caitlin tom kench like the caitlin had to take tp they actually were able to get pressure yep, in the lane i should have you had lane fucked exactly <laughs> yeah so i think that that would have been a better a better angle as well. and by the way but, there's another thing if you're a flackhead fan do you have any idea how disrespectful to draft that in as, with as comp in the bot lane is? What you're saying there is you're barely even in ADC. I'll just start a summoner behind and you can't even kill me early game. That's fucking crazy, dude. Yeah, I mean, or just get it like a CS. I mean, they should just be like taking plates. I mean, it's it's Sivir Karma into Kate, Tom Kench. Tom Kench, I, I did not like the, like the Tom Kench pick um, there for Rogue, really. It felt like it was just too much on, oh, we're going to, it's, it's like good into Lissandra, but... I mean, I think you're dooming yourselves in lane. I mean, I, I mean, maybe it's okay because I guess their read is that Flocket and Targamas are so bad in lane, they won't be able to punish it. So we'll just pick something that's like good outside of lane. But I think it's almost like too disrespectful or just like too useless almost because I mean, at a certain point, Lissandra is no longer ulting targets to get picks. At a certain point, Lissandra is going in, Wing, ulting herself, then Zanya Zing, and then you're, you're trying to win the, pi the fight like that. It's just trying to buy space. And I mean, Tom Kench doesn't do much to Sivir super late game. And you even saw at a point um, in this game before Yankos walked up mid and got caught in game number two, you saw the, the like Sivir come back. I mean, G2 almost ended the game in game number yep. two. So, yep. um, Oh, I mean, by the way, that's one thing I'd forgotten even. Dude, go back and watch that. Because you remember what happens is there's sort of like, I think there's like three G2, there's three... I think Rogue, no, I think there was only two. I think it was like Malrang and someone else, right? If you remember, this is where, dude, Malrang actually can be like a savant sometimes. Because if you remember, they're all going onto the Nexus Towers, right? The G2 players. Mm -hmm. And instead of what every other Jarvan would do, which is just go onto them and do all your combo and do everything to like stop it for a second. But if you did that, you would stop them for a second and then they'd just delete you instantly and they'd win the game. He just did it where he just like drew people away and just like made people fight off him and ran away and forced them to like run away to the edge of the base and like, 
like actually just play like a distraction completely bought them the time to get like another person up on the fountain or something like this is like a, a good example of like even like you can't even just say you only engage like that was like smart mate dude that's like that's like sort of some fucking lateral thinking right there yeah, I mean, I, th I think that in this situation, I think G2 actually should have just tried to force end. They probably because, could have I just mean, just hit the towers in the base, right? Just, just hit, ignore the champions, yeah. Even though, even though Marong ended up killing part of the wave, like, the wave actually was close enough that it removed the debuff on the turret, and if the debuff's removed, you just, like, all commit one shot. Right. Caps had ult in, like, two seconds. People were still not spawning, like, trip, like, even once the Nexus, when the Nexus turret, the first turret goes down, they feel panicked because of the situation and comp's still up. Trippy is dead for 10 seconds, yep. Larson is dead for 14, and Odo's dead for 16. That is an eternity at that oh, point. That's crazy, you know, like, yeah. that, that's, that's super. So I think that G2 actually could have ended here. And this is another example where G2 was just making the wrong calls in a lot of these like clutch moments under pressure, which is what you'd give them the credit for being yes. able to do. So, yes. um, yeah, I mean, I think it was, it was definitely clutch by Marl. I mean, I think going for the wave is like, I think in, in later years, people have gotten better at this concept of just like, yeah, just suicide for the way of like yeah. stall out the game. I think people are smarter about it now than they used to be. Um, but that being said, like it, it just was, yeah, it was well played. I mean, imagine if Rogue lose that game and then they go on to lose the series. Imagine the choking right? yeah. fucking memes then. Because yeah. it, like, that's the other part is it's also based on game state. It's not just based on win or lose, yes. pressure or no pressure. It's like, were you ahead and then you threw like, are, are you ahead in terms of just like you're supposed to be the better team and then you lose? Like, those are the things that I, that I really evaluate there. So I don't even care that much about choking. I just think that it's weird that that was like something that that was just like thrown out. It was like, but like, how come when Rogue wins or like when Rogue loses, they choke. But when Fnatic loses, then Fnatic didn't choke. It's not just loser chokes. Like, I don't, like, I don't know. I just felt like that was just a weird like narrative that was being pushed around. It's like, I mean, yeah, Fnatic was like, I mean, they didn't st set themselves at a standard where you felt like, oh, shit, this team, like, is good. Sure, they're, like, a super team on paper, same way Vitality was. But, I mean, look at, like, we watched the whole fucking split. Like, the whole the whole split was bad. Like, the whole split was. was bad. It's almost like, I would say, Fnatic overperformed. Like, well, going into it. Elves. Yeah. That's yeah, what I was kind of saying earlier. They did everything they could. Yeah, they, they did perform better in playoffs than they, than they were. Than, than what they were doing before. I mean, they were really playing bad. I mean, remember, they all, they even almost in the first round, they almost did lose to XL, but they sort of looked all right, you know. Yeah. I think, that, I, like I said, I think every series they got better, and then the problem was, it just turned out Rogue was better as well once they got to that last match. Right, what yeah, about I mean, this then? That, yeah, go on. Well, I, I think that Upset actually had, like, a pretty weird series. I mean, he had some, like, really egregious, like, just going to the whole enemy team and into where it was like, I felt like he was trying to do too much, but... Um, Luckily for yeah, him, you know, he had uh, Hillisag and Humanoid on his team, so... Yeah, I mean, still, out. there was points in the game where it's like you can, you can pop off sure. here, like you can, you can go into yeah, like yeah. fucking prime Uzi mode and carry some of these yeah, games, yeah. or at least you don't have to lose at the point that he lost to, you know, like, like oh, or the, the point where he would would lose his advantage. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that that Fnatic has been bad the entire year at setting up objectives and forcing the enemy team into good fights and controlling vision and like doing the correct things. It feels like they have no concept of how to do that, so. As soon as Rogue was able to like get through the early game, which they did after they banned the Silas, I think that was just, uh, yeah, I mean, they were just able to do the things that they're good at. And especially if you just look at both players historically, that is what Larson is better at. Like Larson is good at like playing control mages and part of playing control mages is like knowing how to like use your abilities to zone off key points in the map. Like knowing what locations to use your abilities is way more important than like hitting a crucial skill shot. Whereas, you know, the reason why people like Silas and, and Ari and those types of picks is like, they're going to like go in and like hit a nice charm or hit a nice chain. And that's going to determine whether they win or lose the fight. The thing that Larson was really good at is they can't walk through here. Like I'm playing Azir. 
this choke is ours. Set up behind me. I'm not letting them walk through here. Or like they just like went through this choke. Like I'm going to throw all my AOE abilities and yes. chunk this guy out. Like just being being able to control spaces on the map is Larson's biggest. Why he's, well, that's why he's an Oriana player, isn't it? That's exactly the game of an Oriana player. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's an Oriana player and a Zier player, a Victor player. It's similar skill set, which yeah. is like which is a good skill set. And those champions also have the ability to win lane in a lot of these matchups. Yep. So it's able to, it, it's both of his best skills. He's good at laning. He's also good at, um, at, at team fighting. I mean, I, I even think that when he plays things like Silas, Akali, whatever, he's actually fine at the laning portion of it. It's just that like when things get really chaotic, being able to like judge the timings to go yep. in, I feel like that's the, like that, like those windows, like I think he just doesn't see them as well as other players. But um, yeah, I mean, I think in that series, that's what it, like Rogue was just able to force Fnatic to play their game. It's so they look so much better when they force the enemy team to play their game instead of just like opting into like, oh, we have to try to be a team that we're not. Like the team that Rogue is, just make them be you at your bet. Make them be your control mages. Make them be your Victor, your Oriana, your Azir, that type of stuff. All right. One Why thing not? I do want to bring up, because it would be remiss not to talk about. It, and I know it's so many fucking shows just missed this topic entirely. How are y'all gonna tell me Caps is the Western GOAT? And you know, this is where I hate fans with a fucking burning passion, Dom. Because right up until this final, everyone would have told me Caps is at the best of his career. He is the absolute zenith that Caps has ever been. Because even if, say, like 2020 summer or something, I think he was like fucking sick then or whatever. I think I'm thinking Yeah, I right thought one. he was better then, yeah, personally. I agree yeah. then. But like, I, a lot of people would say after the playoffs onwards in spring, he's been incredible. I even think actually when G2 was shit in the middle, in the summer season in the middle, he actually was the only one who would even have good games. He just couldn't drag them over the line and the rest of them were just inting away. So a lot of people, because they use the logic, like the older you are and the more you win, the better you are. You notice they still say it about LeBron and fucking Brady, but it's so insane. It's like, and you're, you're mind if you think they're in their peaks. Like, you know, their physical peak was about 12 years ago and they're probably, the, yeah. the, the sweet spot was probably like seven years ago. You know, like it's just the way that sports work. But they're doing the thing of like, they're making it sound like you're a chess player and you just gain more experience and knowledge and you become like a mega brain, right? So the problem mm. I have with this topic is this. I agree. I actually personally think the best ever caps was summer 2020 because he had a super team still but also he actually did get all the in out of his game and it was just the fucking claps it was just fucking sick just over and over and over and by the way logically he weren't playing that well that split either no no that was the one where they weren't supposed to win mate like he just Perks, made Perks had his one. father die <laughs> yes he, he took time off yep. and he played like poorly he had to get himself back in a form exactly that, that was just caps when you're but the problem is this is still supposed to be one of his great years and I would oh, except for the first part of the spring but and I would say yeah he was looking amazing he was like the alpha uh, apex predator for the most of the summer split in the west right but in the final here's my issue I said already I actually think the Lissandra game he played pretty well actually I don't even know what he did wrong there like he's just on Lissandra like what do you want he, he did what he could he landed the fuck it. he went even he went in aggressively and did the claw and all the rest of it like he did everything he pretty much could so that one I gave him pass for game three there's a couple of moments maybe he gets like a get something off it's not that he played bad. I don't think he choked. I don't think he played shit in the series. I probably agree even that he would be the best player on G2. Yeah. My problem is just when you make that storyline, he is the GOAT. They even said all those stats. He's won seven out of seven finals. He had some bonkers games that made. It was like that old double one like years ago. Yeah, where it was like, they said here that he'd won 21 and three in games in final. Like, that is insane because spoiler, like three games wins the opponent in final. And obviously they never did. So he averaged a loss in a finals over seven finals. Like that is absurd. Like that's the sort of shit that's amazing. But I have to say in this final, it's not that Larson was like an unbelievable guy. He was very good. But like, I did think like I needed a, a higher level from Caps though. I do think he yeah. didn't play close to his top level. 
He didn't play. He didn't play at his his top level for sure. And he didn't look as and, dangerous, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, there was just some moments where it was just like, Caps, what are you doing? I mean, game one where he just didn't use ult and like it, the whole game exploded because he didn't use ult on on that timing. Like he ends up getting um, chunked by by Marong. He he doesn't want to want to ult away. He sees the the LeBlanc coming over the wall and he still doesn't want to ult. And yep. then he dies. And because he dies, they transfer the pressure to Bot and Bot dies. Like game like that is a game-defining int where if you are playing on your top, top, top level, you just can't have a play. You can't you can't have a game-losing play, period. Like, that's just what... Like, that's the standard he sets for I'm not saying anyone else can't have oh, a game-losing no. play. Like, there's times where, like, other players will have a, a bad play in a game. Sure, like, you could argue that Malrong, when he walked in and gave Draven a cash-in, that could be a game-losing yeah, play. Yeah, yeah. The problem is we're not calling Malrong the Western GOAT. Yes, so exactly. Like, yes. If you're if you're... If that is the standard that you set for yourself as Caps, like, you have to play almost flawlessly, and I do think he played... Slightly worse than what you'd, you'd expect. Because you expect almost perfection. Because yeah, yeah. this is why I actually do have an issue. Which is, even though I never thought that Rogue would beat them in the upper bracket final, I definitely didn't think they'd beat them in the final. The one thing I do think is egregious, and obviously it was pushed by fans, it was because G2 had won the upper bracket final because they won spring, but people started pushing the idea again. Like, that, if, they almost made it sound like G2 was some sort of all-time great lineup. Dude, I don't think this five-man lineup... No, I, Look, Worlds hasn't happened yet, so maybe I'm made a fool, but I'm, I'm very confident I'm not. This is not going to be one of the all-time great League of Legends teams from Europe. Europe's had a lot of it truly great, you know, the old fanatics, one of the older seasons and the ones with Reckless and uh, and you mm. go through then the super team with G2 and you've got, it, this isn't going to be one of them. This is actually more comparable to something like what Mad Lions did last year for me. Like I think Caps was the best player, but I, I'll tell you what, in spring, I really did think it was largely Caps and Yankos. Well, when Yankos drops off, immediately you see half the game's gone. And then when Caps doesn't perform, mate, this becomes like a, this would be like a mid-table LEC team. I'm not even here to, BB I mean, played I, bad I, as well, true. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's, for me, I think that they've just been a solo lane dominated team um, and they weren't able to get any advantage in like yes. solo lanes really. And like Caps, you know, I mean, the the Ari pick in game one, I think is is fine, right? Like I think that he just played poorly there, but the Ari pick in game three, that's just not an Ari angle, but it feels like he just tried to, to do too much and he just didn't find the right solution because Larson played solid. Like, I mean, Caps did have that small outplay on Larson yeah. where Caps went forward and Lar and he was able to dodge the wall. Like, that was like a moment where it was like, oh, shit, that's like Caps. He's like fighting back. Um, but Larson just played solid enough where, yeah, you can't disrespect him like that. You can't just pick a matchup that's bad and just expect him to, to fucking play terrible. You know? you know what, though? I'll spin this into something. I was actually trying to make this point earlier, but I forgot it. I haven't had that much sleep, mate. Basically, here's the point I was going to make earlier, though. There's a very logical reason, I think, as to why teams will sometimes do that. And actually why, when you finally get beaten by the team that chokes or always never lives up to the... I've got that one. Never lived up to expectations. Sometimes there's another angle. It doesn't always have to be a straight choke. You just don't play your top game. One of the reasons why, also, I think sometimes when they start to win, the other teams can even just fold immediately when you start to win. is because, actually, over enough time... If if you know they're always the chokers, and if your team, by the way, if your people are Yankos and Capsule, like we are the clutch players, that becomes a factor that you just assume will be a fact in every game. You always think, well, I'm going to get a chance to get back in this game. They're going to give me an in at one point in time. You know what? doesn't matter what we pick. Like, pick your strongest champion. We'll beat them anyway. Like, basically, actually, it makes you take them for granted. Like, the joke is, same thing with Larson, to be fair, right? If he carried these finals from mid, which is... Mm -hmm. It was the best split ever for someone to just think he's shit. He wasn't all LEC. Probably, it probably was just even on fourth. It would have been fourth or third, so it probably shouldn't have been all LEC. It was probably his worst split in his entire career. They come yep. in, 
People didn't know he was going to play stuff like LeBlanc, so everyone's thinking he's just going to be the boring-ass mage player. Like, this would be the series where people would think he just picks his A three times if it's up, right? No one's thinking you're going to have any chance to get outplayed by Larson or outlane, or not in a meaningful way. You might have more CS, but it's not going to win the game. So I also think if you're Caps, you couldn't expect this to happen. Yeah, I mean, I don't think if you're G2, you could expect almost any of this to happen. Like, this is that's the thing that's so funny about this split is this was Rogue's worst split as a team. This was. Was, like, even though they yeah. still got second tech or no, they didn't get second. They got third, right? Because Mad was ahead of them by one game. They no, ended third, up yes. getting the second seed because of the f fact that the whole LEC playoffs is completely fucked in this, like, discussion system just makes thing, it, yeah. yeah, it just makes it, like, so hard to, to actually get hype for you know, world seeds and things that should be naturally hyped. Anyways, that's that's ne that's neither here nor there. We'll just stay on the topic. This is where <laughs> this this is where I felt like um, Larson was was actually just not playing like his lanes that well. Like when you look at at, at his lane, it's always been top tier. Like I mean, in spring split, you would oh, say he was probably the. I mean, he was probably the best, right? Like He's a very good CS if people don't. That's another reason I call him like Frog, and I can't believe people can't even see that, Dom. People don't even know how to judge fucking lanes as mental, innit? Yeah. No, One thing you can't he's say he's a bad laner. I know, exactly. Fucking mega laner. The thing that's crazy is that I, I feel like Larson just hates this narrative so much, and like it just feels like he's trying to like... He just always tries to deflect. He's like, no, but mages are just good. It's like, well, I mean, right here, mages are not like... When you watch like the best fucking yeah. teams in the world play... What is, what is Chovy playing? Like, sure, they do play Azir, but they play yeah. a ton of fucking Ari. Exactly. They play a ton of fucking Ari. They play, like, a, a, and, you know, his Ari game wasn't bad, but there's clearly a difference between him oh, playing Victor and Orianna yes. and Azir and him playing Ari, Silas, Akali. Even though his LeBlanc was fine, it's like, it's not the same level. So he just hates this comparison. I've heard you bring it up in interviews. I've heard him like defend this a, a bunch of times. There's no shame in that fucking game. There's no shame in oh, the mage no. playing game. Like just play what you're good at. Like if you're good at something, you're good at something like that. It's, you don't have to be the best at everything. You just need to be better than everyone at something and then force them into your game. And then you could be a fucking yep. champion. So uh, it's like they, it's like one thing they do that I hate is there's a lot of really good players where maybe it's because fans just nitpick them for this. But if you ever point out like you're really good at A, you're amazing at B, you're pretty fucking good at C. But D, you're not that good at. They'll be like, how dare you? I'm, I could do D and I am. It's all oh, bloody hell. You can't just be the greatest at everything. You're not the fucking the goat, are you? Like, but the problem is they do like, it's almost like they want to be whatever they're not. Like, oh, I've got frizzy hair. Better get straight hair, straighteners. Like, why not yeah. just have fucking sick frizzy hair, you idiot? So I agree, mate. I've always thought, this is why, by the way, I also fucked with Froggen so heavy because you have to realize even though Froggen could obviously play like the like an something like an echo or something stupid some occasional stuff that wasn't like the traditional mage his whole shit really was oh no I'm just going to play these mages as good as possible and if my team actually allows me to win the championship you can just say it well, after the interview when I win the championship you can just say oh you didn't play those and I'll be like see yeah I've won the championship who gives a fuck this is what I do this is how I choose to play League of Legends I also do think that's why I keep pushing him on that the idea is the heir to Froggen I want him to just embrace it Dom and just be like you know what that everyone else wants me to pick a fucking crazy like you say a crazy Ari game here actually this is my victor angle like try walking into this fucking team fight homie like that's what I want I want you to just be a fucking yeah. beast I even think that's the angle on trophy I always loved until like uh, obviously now we can do anything but he's the guy who'd sometimes do stupid ass picks that you were like oh why don't you want a super carry champ it's like yeah, he just had his own idea he's like I'm gonna carry on this champ I've decided this is the one we're winning on yep no de definitely Definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. hundred percent. I think you should just do what you are good at. Like even yes. if what you're good at is not optimal, 
Like, what does optimal even mean? Like, it's so weird how people talk about League of Legends these days, where it's like, ever like every like, there's just like an optimal way to play as if all players are. Oh, you know they don't watch the LPL. It's how they, that's how you know they don't watch LPL because you know this. The LPL is the ultimate region. That's about it's like it's the famous saying that was in like the on the. In ancient Greece, there was a place called the Oracle of Delphi that you would go to and they would take, interestingly enough, right, it was these women who were virgins and they would, so you write the own jokes about fucking G2 and Fanatic fans and okay. all the reckless and all. All right. the jokes all are right. there and they would, and okay. believe it or not, they would actually sort of huff a thing, it's almost like copium, yeah, we got, listen, they're writing the jokes themselves, but basically what they would do is they'd huff these vapours that would give you like a psychedelic effect and they thought they would communicate with the gods and they would give you a prophecy from the gods, their eyes would roll back and sort of like, you know, Watch out. See ya, you'll go into... It would be like of a movie or something, you know? Mm -hmm. And basically, when people would go there, one of the things it said over the door was this famous line. It said, know thyself. The LPL, and by the way, Europe back in the day when everyone used to just try and copy Koreans. I always thought the LPL, Europe back in the day when they would just play whatever they wanted, split, push, all through mid, and then Triple LPL TPs now... when people would not play yeah, TPs. That's that the... That, essentially, the strength is, it really is as, as wacky as the thing they say in movies, kids. You want to be the best version of yourself, not a whack version of someone else. Like, you don't want to change yourself to fit in. You want to stand out. Like, those... I know it all sounds hackneyed, but it's legit advice. Like, I would actually say for players and teams, I wish more of them did this, mate. Like, for example, this is what G2 didn't do. G2 decided this, Dom, where it's a fucking super global meta that's all about bot lane dominance. But we're not bitches like NA, so we're not just going Seraphine if we can't play bot. Give him all the strong carry picks. And it's like, that's not who he is. Like, that's unfair to... I am actually saying that. I genuinely think that was unfair to set Flacken up. Even if you asked for it. Don't give him it. Like, by the way, if you asked for it, tell him to get the fuck out of the team. I hope he knows his job isn't to play those champions. Like, if they'd nah, have known he, he themselves... Seems, he, seems, he seems hyper agreeable. Like, it seems oh, like... Oh, he does, yeah. Like, he... Like Flockett has like you know like the 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 like fake ego and stuff on like Twitter and stuff. He's only meme there, I know. He he seems very genuine. Yes. Where he's like, I will do whatever it takes to win. He seems literally like a zero ego player, which is what yeah. I like about him. That's why I think yeah, he yeah. does so well within the team. That's literally why they got Flockett in the team because he wasn't reckless. Because they were like, we don't want to have to deal with exactly. all this shit and play around fucking bot lane. We want to play with the player who will just do whatever it takes to win. And Flockett has that mentality, which is the correct mentality. That's yeah, the yeah. best part about him as a player. So use that to your advantage. Like use that to your advantage. Like yes. you don't have to. You don't have to be something you're not, dude. It's year number one. It's year fucking number one. Like here's the analogy I'd give you because I don't hit on Flacken at all. In fact, that's why I wanted. If you saw, I tried to bait the G2 account into doing like a bet with me that if Rogue won, then like they'd only follow my account for a week or something. By the way, spoiler, that would have been fucking sick. It's so glad they're pussies and they didn't dare do it, little bitches. Oh, we're all loving bantering for you. Do know, you don't, you cowards. You just only want to talk more on memers. So when an actual real G steps up to the plate, they're fucking scared of the alpha, avert the eye contact, don't they? Whatever. That's all this fucking shit I said. That sounded cool. Mm -hmm. So when they did this though, the reason why I wanted to take this bet is because I actually said the joke here, Dom. I was baiting them. I said, if G2 wins, though, I'll do a video about, like, basically, like, explaining, like, how great Flacken's career was. Because, by the way, that would be so easy. It's unbelievable. Like, this is his first year. He made MSI. He won a championship. He was looking like he was going to go back to back. He would have if they'd have obviously won this one and they completed mm -hmm. the bet. He would have done it with, like, some great players, but with a team that no one ever started the year soon should be number one. Everyone questioned him. He's a rookie. His teammates are rookie in his lane. There's a million factors I could go through, right? But here's the problem. At the end... 
The reason everyone's always going to think we hate Flackard is because since he's in G2 and G2 can win the championship, I can't compare Flackard to rookies like Unforgiven. I can't compare Flackard to just a Patrick or Guess something like that. Who? People that yeah. have been playing for two, three years. The problem like... I have is this. I have to compare Flackard because he's in G2. I have to compare him to like the best possible ADC. So the analogy would be, it's like if Flackard was a pretty good point guard, but he's only five foot eight. He could be as good as he wants as a point guard. He could pass the ball. He could even do a bit of scoring. If you're 5'8 in the NBA, you better be the greatest player of all time if you want to actually be like a champion or something. It's going to be really hard. Like, it's just height is a thing. So in the same way, like he's good in some ways, but he's just, there's certain things either they haven't developed. Maybe in a few years he can get some of it or he might just never be that player. And I don't think he needs to be that player necessarily. It's just that... It's hard to become that player because oh, it part, is. Part, part of becoming that player is putting... This is, this is the issue with that. You can't it's just almost, keep bandaid in the guy, right? You can't make it, him weak side every time exactly, if you want to be the best. It's the same with the Danny, pro- right? It's the same logic with him. When you're on a really good team, you don't have the luxury of losing games to improve. Like if yep. you're on a bad team, you're going to like you're gonna have you're gonna have the ability to play a lot of these lane matchups and play these really difficult lanes in pressure moments he against. He was on Astralis, he'd have to actually try and learn to carry because he's playing yeah. with solos that just lose all the game, innit? The, the problem is that when you're on a good team, you're 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 trying to win a fucking title. So yep. you don't have time to actually work on all the stuff you're bad at. You're just trying to figure out the best possible ways that you can get to that goal. And by getting to that goal, you're probably going to miss out on a lot of like growth opportunities. So that's, that's the issue with, with trying to get better. I mean, that's something that you're obviously going to try in scrims every now and then, but you have to be like, you have to be realistic with, with the amount of time that it will take to actually level up the parts of your game that are are not great. Like you can't just spend your whole scrim like, oh, so we're bad at, at, at laning bot lane. Well, we're just going to pick a bunch of like hard, like, you know, 2v2 super mechanical bot lanes and waste everyone else's time in the fucking scrim and potentially our coach's time to see if like you'll be able to advance quick enough and get to a level where that can be a, a huge strength of our team, you know? By the way, if people want to see a player, I'll, I'll give you two players that I actually believe did this and nobody acknowledges either. They just either said they sucked at the time and then now they just say they were the best at times. It's Niski and Hans Samadom. Those two players, I'm not joking. They're almost the exact same time period as well that they have their careers. Go and look at the first years, then the second year, then the third year. Dude, these guys like level up every single year. I'm not joking. They actually start not that good. They're sort of just like middle of the pack. Sometimes even like maybe just average, like or being below average maybe. Then you'd go year on year on year and they like not only level up, they add new things to their game. Like the joke about the last couple of years of Niski is, this is why I know people, I listen, it's obviously because I'm a frog advance, why I tried to hyper focus on the mid one, but if I could tell people don't watch lanes because they would just talk like Kosniski did all these god roaming, like especially on like Cloud Nine and stuff. That like as he was just the complete mid laner, and it was like, dude, if he goes to Nash, he's gonna get smashed by all these fucking god laners. Like he wouldn't get out of the lane; he'll be trapped. Like they'll just pin him in the like Knight back. If he'd have gone to season ten Worlds, mate, he's glad lucky he didn't. Real Knight, the one that didn't really turn up to Worlds, would have fucking pinned him in lane and battered him, and then just they'd have, there would have never been a Nisky. There would be no one help blabber. You know, it would be awful. So like, but, but you even, look at, even like, worse for rookie. By if the way, he could have think... gone, if he could have gone this year though, dude, I know he didn't make it in the playoffs, but if he could have gone this year at his prime, he was looking good in lane. He actually could even like handle some of this shit to some degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I completely agree with that. And part of the reason why those players are able to improve is because of the teams they played on. It's almost better. Like if you want to be the yes. best player possible, it's almost better to go through like the grind of yeah, being on like an yep. eighth place team and then a fifth place team and then a third place team because you just get to work on all the skill sets and 
your skills, your um, your play is going to be like your, your the holes in your game are going to be way more obvious when you are like winning and losing games off of it. Yes. If you like, if your top side is just fucking carrying the game and you're just kind of like 50-50 laning and then you just group up with your team and you win, you didn't really learn that much as a player. You're just like, okay, nice. But this is why a lot of players are like they overrate themselves and they go from good team to bad. Team. And this is something that I had to do in my career. I felt this myself because when I played with season two dig, I slotted into like one of the best NA teams. And you know, we, we like won the, won the curse invitational. We went to fucking I am Hanover and we, we had all these experiences where like I'm competing against some of the best players and I'm able to do fine against some of the best players. So in my opinion, I'm like, Oh shit. Like I'm, I must be really good. And then when I joined, then when I got banned and I joined curse and I was on a fucking bad team, it's like, Holy shit, look at what all my teammates were covering. It just made me respect yeah. my old teammates so much more. I'm like, damn, like Cutie was actually super fucking smart. Yes. Like your your teammates that are really good are gonna protect you from yourselves. You don't know how fucking many dumb ideas you have yep. until you actually have to play out your dumb ideas. And you're like, oh shit. So now if I make a mistake, we straight up lose because we are losing lanes. Like if we are losing lanes and I make a mistake, we're fucked. So so it completely like helps you just advance as a player going through those those um those phases. So yeah, I, I even think, think it applies, by the way, to truly great players. Like, I'll give you an example. If anyone actually watches my shows and they don't just, like, listen to the jokes and listen to the real things I say... Look at me, Yankos. That's yeah, a pretty good one. But I would say the best example for me is Reckless because all my critiques are Reckless, by the way, basically the first three years. After that, it's things about his personality or maybe people overrated if he was, like, the solo carry. But I actually always thought the best thing that ever happened to Reckless was when he lost Expec here and he lost all those guys that were the solos. And you know that season six and seven he had where season six was whack as fuck and it was where he had to play, like, fucking Kennen and then eventually he started, like, hard carrying games. He had to just be like, you know what, actually, I have to be forgiven. I'm basically on a forgiven team. It's not that great a lineup. Like, I've got to smash motherfuckers. And he actually built that into his game and for the next couple of years until he got like basically caps got really good he would sometimes have to, the team would have to just go it's all going to shit the band-aid is play through reckless well remember my critique of him was that he was the flacker at times a really amazing one by the way he's obviously more skilled than flacker but he would sometimes be the flacker because he, he had the solo laners and he had the team fighters and he had essentially he could just be like the guy who cleaned up so i think there's even another example i think if he didn't go through those hard times maybe he just always stays as a player where you have to just stash the whole team or he has no chance who knows Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, so that's in a way it's, it's almost beneficial for, for, for yeah. you to have the delayed success, yeah. you know, the delayed gratification because it just, it allows you to, to be more um, reflective of your own gameplay. It's very hard for players to like grow while they're like winning on a good team because oh, you just is. get like the dopamine from fucking yep. winning. Like you just, you won. So you, and you don't want to feel like, Oh, I won, but this guy was actually better than me. So most of the time when you win, you're, you just try to like, you just do like the mental thing, just the defense mechanisms where you're like, oh, well, maybe that guy's better in lane, but I'm better at this stuff. But it's like, I mean, I'm, I'm better outside of lane. I'm a better team fighter or things like that. It's like, well, yeah. maybe or maybe like your teammates are setting you up so that you can team fight really well when then when everything is on you and you have to be the one that calls out hey, I need this guy marked from this flank like. Uh, you need to bait this ability. Shield me when this happens. Like you got to Mikhail's this. I'm going to cleanse the deck. Like when you start having to, to do everything yourself, completely different skill set, completely different game. I mean, put it this way, to draw a quick analogy to Counter-Strike, if people don't know, one of the really weird things about Counter-Strike is, aside from Astralis, there are no dynasties, Dom, that span multiple years. Like, I mean, there was Nip at the beginning of the year. There was two teams ever that did it. And, there, and that sounds weird because you have to remember, in CS... Early on, we used to have three majors a year, but then eventually it became like two majors a year a long time. And yet the most, any majors, any one squad, like Core Rowan was four. 
But we've had like, I think we've had like 18 now or something. You'd think, no one's won like five or something. And the reason why is exactly what you're talking about is when people get a really good lineup together and it becomes the best, and especially in the first couple of years of their career, they win everything. Actually, when they, not only is it what you're saying, like they might not even work on another part of their game and become complete players because as a team, they're complete. Like your team, you remember I always say that principle, the best team is the one where you cover my weaknesses, emphasize my strengths. And I managed to, maybe either I do it for you or someone else does it for you and collectively it's like a circle jerk yeah. everyone gets taken care of that's all that matters yep. at the end so in this as opposed to one team it's just all oh, everyone jerking off forgiving like come on like, I, I probably went too far <laughs> with the analogy and the you know, whatever. Right. listen listen it's twitch so you know it's not really but <laughs> i'd be bad enough twitch so fast it's mental in it i know but anyway here's the angle yep. i was gonna sell people that. always ask me why is thor never on any of your live views it's like because i, I try to keep my account you your i want mind. my account to stay intact I, so basically, the premise goes, I also think not only when you get on a worse team, at first, like you say, you think, well, look, I was winning. I was like MVPs last year. I was winning the championship. Look, he's a bit worse, but we can get this done. Not only do you find out there might be deficiencies in your game, but then also because you're so used to winning, you just actually drop off way faster. Because now you're super bombed, you don't win. You're like, oh, everything's going wrong. And by the way, that's why the best example ever is reckless for that. If people don't know why I do look down on him a little bit as a person, it's because any time, dude, he even had like the third best roster, he essentially threw a tantrum and gave up and did stuff like stormed off, cried in front of everyone. Like he did stuff where it was like, dude, that was like that would be like Forgiven's best roster ever. And this motherfucker would be grinding. So that's why the in CS basically the example is, if you might know, the GOAT player, and it's not really even close, like the eye test is unreal, is Simple, right? Well, if you don't know, Simple didn't win the major till last year, but he was already like a world-class player in like 2016. Well, that's, it took him almost six years, five years, something, right? And what that meant was, though, because he never won, though, and he was always so close, he used to just, he was just like, no, no one's grinded harder. He just went infinite hours, Dom. And then also, he even got the mindset, where I even used to think, dude, this could be really unhealthy for you if you don't win when you have this mindset. He used to think, even if I'm actually the GOAT, because we already called him the GOAT three years before he won, if you, if, even if I'm the GOAT and I am the best, if we lose and there was anything I could have done better, I have to get better, right? That is the most fucking... What's sad about that is this, fans. If you do that, you'll die. You'll work yourself to death. You'll have a breakdown. This guy was like... He just essentially gambled. Like, if I do it, I become the goat goat. Like, I can't be... He did. He, did, he got this level. So I'll give you the example. That's why, if you notice, I start making the case, like, I think Rookie could be the goat. Because I think, actually, the fact he didn't win much, dude, I think he kept at an insane level every year. Whereas, actually, if you look at Faker's career, without making it a big digression, Faker's had a number of, like, dude, like many of his last championships, he wasn't even close to the best player. Or he could be, like, the third best mid in the league, never mind the world. But he could win still. Now it was about, oh, you know what? It's like, it's kind of like, I can just, I can freewheel a bit. I can do this here. I could help you win. Like, Rookie can't do that. Rookie, every single year of his career has to be like, I have to be basically the best mid in this series. And even then I might lose. Like, if you, it's why it's a very rare person can go through what they did. But I agree with you. It forges you at the end, by the way. It's like the fucking ultimate weapon. You can't be beaten then, you know. Yep. I mean, it's perfect. I mean, that's that's part of the reason why I, I think that, uh, you know, Bjergsen is the goat of NA. So we can lead into that is because okay. of... Like, even though he was winning, just the mentality difference between him and Doublelift was so, so severe. The fact that he kept on pushing himself and he wasn't complacent, it's just a, 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 a it made him a, a next, gen, like, a the generation. The problem is you can't do that right earlier. now. I have to do a call for, like, half an hour. 
But okay, that's okay. the tease for the episode. Okay, whatever. We'll do. We'll put that tease in. You can say oh, it's not the forthcoming episode. And we'll release it afterwards. But yeah, there'll be one about Bjergsen being the goat or whatever. You actually find it'll be very interesting. It'll be more to discussion and exploration. So obviously that's going to be the end of the best damn league show because it's the end of the split. Thanks to everyone who came on who were guests, of course. We'll try again next year to do this and run it back and all the rest of it. Can't believe Rogue actually did win at the end. It is, it is actually mental. I know it still still doesn't really feel real. It feels like I'm like on a really long LSD trip and I'm going to come out <laughs> of it like, fuck, that was really crazy, dude. I had like, Rogue was like smurfing on G2 and like, you know, well, like, you know what I, mean? I mean, this is this is what, what, what people don't understand. D the reality that happens is not always the most likely reality. No, no. Dude, that's my number happen. one. This is my number one pet peeve because basically it's another CSGO example. The most famous example in CSGO of this is when Cloud9 won the major. If you don't know, the, Cloud9 wouldn't be on anyone's top 20 list of all time. But the team they beat, FaZe Clan, is on everyone's top 20. It even might be in some people's top 10, but they didn't win that major. Because that's one of those ones, basically. And by the way, if you know the story, FaZe Clan beat them every tournament before, every tournament afterwards, and they almost won this. They were at championship points. So basically, what fans never understood was this, Dom. I acknowledge that Cloud9 won, but I'm saying if they had a 1 in 10 chance... That still means it one in 10 times it happens. And if it happens, you can't then go, must have been a 90% shot. It doesn't work that way. So I agree. So that's the setup to your point. It's basically what you're saying, right? Yeah, no. I mean, I think that, that this Rogue win was probably the least likely of all the Rogue championships. Yeah. I think they had a better chance going into the spring finals, considering like their form compared to the rest of the league, their advantages compared to the rest of the league. Absolutely. Um, I think even were, even they, spring 2021 maybe was probably better over Mad. They, they were in winning position there even. Yeah, exactly. I think that, that, that that's what makes us like so unexpected. And this, yeah. I'm, People were like, oh, well, they proved everyone wrong. So everyone must have just had like a horrible read. It's like, or Rogue like overperformed at a really crucial time. Like, look, this is the thing that I, I already know the, the comments are going to say. They're going to be like, Dom is not giving them credit for winning. It's like, no, I'm, it's, that's not it at all. I'm just saying that there's a difference between performing under pressure and overcoming choking. Like, I'm just saying that there's a distinction between how you go into it and, and you know, what, where the other team is in relation to you and what your advantages are as a team. I think that this is actually like really fucking good for the LEC because it makes it less boring. Like now you're like, oh, well, you know, Rogue did win that one time. So now if we go into like a final next split, even yeah, if yeah. G2 looks like the favorite, it could be, oh, the same be way more G2 hype. was the favorite last time. It just makes it way yeah, more yeah. hype. So I think that it's good to get more championships, um, ch more champions within your region because then you'll have like Larson who had his championship run now and then you have humanoid and then you have like you know nisku has a one in in europe yet but one in an a exactly. and then you have obviously like perks who's one of the the goats caps as, as one of the goats you just have like a much more interesting storyline now there you go then so obviously there'll be way more hype with rogue g2 next split you had a player like malrang who was a beast jungler i'm a hype beast so producer kick it